0: Uh, spoiler warning! It's it's going to be dirty. Stop this episode now if you don't want to hear this.
1: Welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 64th episode, our returning guest is Jonathan Fowler. Regular listeners to the podcast will be familiar with Jonathan, as he's by far our most frequent guest. You first heard Jonathan Fowler on episodes 2, 10, 20, 21, 29, 30, 31, 32, 34, 35, 43, 48, 51, and 56 of the podcast. Jonathan graduated with a BA in history from Indiana University in 2006. He's an unabashed left-wing political junkie. He has lived and worked in South Korea for 10 years, trying to help the citizens of that great nation hopefully, talk pretty one day. And now, on to the show.
0: Hello. Hey, Ja. Hey, Bob. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, all things considered, how about yourself? <laughs>
0: Well, well my long long work week is finally over just just 30 minutes to go so i'm doing all right too i guess
1: okay good good
0: yeah so crazy week huh no kidding Uh um, oh, by the by the way congratulations on your daughter
1: thank you yeah she's wonderful thank you very much yeah i uh Got a uh, long episode with Ash all about <laughs> the intricate details of all that uh, dropping uh, within a few hours, so um, okay. I have a feeling we're going to want to get this one out as soon as possible too, because things are changing very rapidly.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, um, it's it's been a crazy week politically, but yeah, but I do, I, I'm impressed that you've been able to continue with the podcasting. During the week, I mean, as well as doing your regular job during yeah. the week that your daughter was born. That's you know, yeah. yeah, a lot of dedication.
1: Yeah, it was. I was. I was home past midnight the last two nights, and I got, you know, I got a week off, but I could have used more.
2: Um, so, mm-hmm.
1: And then when I got back, like literally the day I got back was Thursday and I was already like James Comey had already testified in the morning and I got there at like 1pm and I was like so did I miss anything
3: guys (laughs) yeah yeah quite a
0: quite a testimony I I think I was watching or I was listening to the yeah I was listening to it live basically on YouTube or no no on on, uh, what is it uh, what's that TV channel everybody says is boring C-SPAN yeah C-SPAN's website (laughs) <laughs> hasn't been so boring this week i mean they had the james yeah. comey thing and then like the same day they had uh what's his name that guy who looked like a penguin puffin or whatever <laughs> Puffin. ted cruz oh. they had ted cruz get yanked off the stage at his christian thing <laughs> that was fun
4: so what i want to say to the men and women here is two things number one thank you thank you Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for speaking out and working to retake our nation.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage the Southern Regional Director of Faith and Freedom Coalition, Virginia Galloway.
0: That was some righteous vindication. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, was, uh, he was not done talking. He got he, got, <laughs> jeb, he, he got jebbed. Yeah. It was... Uh, they're, they're kicking me
5: out. They're kicking me out. Veterans Affairs get cut off, like Social Security, maybe Medicare and others. They stop. But the benefits inside the Department of Veterans Affairs continue, which is, you know... It's like one bad. It's like a nightmare after a nightmare, and it took them nine months to fix it This is a real story here in New Hampshire I can promise you the best way to show respect outside of rebuilding our military to two men and women uniform Is to fix that mess as fast as I can? That's it Thank you Are kicking me out the door? they are kicking me out the door Governor, thank you very much for joining us today. Um,
1: I
6: I believe your schedule has a hard stop.
1: (laughs) People said he got played off, but I think played off would have been more dignified than what happened to him.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that woman who came out there to take his place, she was like, I'm going to, nobody gives a shit what she said. But it's just like, she's like, I'm going to talk now. And she looks so proud of herself. I don't know. Whatever. I'm sure it was all very pointless and everything but yeah that was it was enjoyable to watch. It's what Ted Cruz deserves every day of his life. <laughs>
1: Yeah, did you see the sad pictures that he took when he went to the White House after his uh, father was called an accomplice to JFK's murder, um, where uh, Trump was sitting at the desk with, like, the thumbs up, and, like, his children have to, like, crouch nearby, and, like, when, at one point, back in the campaign, Trump threatened to spill the beans on Heidi.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember that. that. Yeah, I guess he finally got around his uh, anger about his family being insulted repeatedly by Trump
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know I don't remember that one particularly I remember uh, what's his name Uh, Mormon guy
1: oh Mitt Romney
0: Mitt Romney, and you know, actually, one thing this is this is one of those thoughts that kind of kicked around. I mean, have you had a chance at all to go over the uh, testimony, or have you seen highlights and stuff? I've I've
1: I've intensely listened to the first thirty minutes. I will listen to the remaining two hours, um, and I've caught probably most of the important parts of the rest that I haven't. You know, train, You know, listen to like every single word of. So, I, yeah. I I will by the time this airs, I will have listened to
0: it all. So. Yeah, uh, well, I listened probably to the first hour and a half at least, maybe two hours, and at some point I think I just passed out. I was mm-hmm. it was one o'clock in the morning over here, and I was mm-hmm. tired. But I so I missed uh, I missed uh, John McCain
7: for example. Because, yeah. You know, so, um,
0: I missed that too. I thought the next day. In the case
7: of. Uh... Hillary Clinton, you made the statement that there wasn't uh, sufficient evidence to bring a suit against her, although it had been very uh, careless in their behavior, but you did reach a conclusion in that case that it was not uh, necessary to further pursue her. Yet at the same time, in the case of Mr. Comey, you said that there was not enough information to make a conclusion. Tell me the difference between your conclusion as far as former Secretary Clinton is concerned and and Mr Mr. Trump.
8: The Clinton investigation was a completed investigation that uh, the FBI have been deeply involved in and so I had an opportunity to understand all the facts and apply those facts against the laws. I understood them. This investigation was underway, still going when I was fired. So it's nowhere near in the same place. At least it wasn't when I was... But it's still ongoing. Correct. So far as I know, it was when I left.
7: That investigation was going on. This investigation is going on. You reached separate conclusions.
8: No, that one was done. That uh, I only that, that sp-
7: investigation of any involvement of Secretary Clinton or any of her associates is completed
8: Yes, as of July the 5th, the FBI completed its investigative work And that's what I was announcing what we had done and what we had found Well
7: at least in the minds of this member, there's a whole lot of questions remaining about what went on particularly Considering the fact that as you mentioned, it's a quote big deal as to what went on during the campaign, so I'm glad you concluded that part of the investigation, but I, I I, Think that the American people have a whole lot of questions out there particularly since you just emphasized the role that Russia played and Obviously she was a candidate for president at the time so she was clearly involved in this whole situation where fake news uh, as you just described it big deal uh took place uh you're gonna have to help me out here in other words we're complete the investigation of anything that former secretary clinton had to do with the campaign is over and we don't have to worry about it anymore
8: with respect to secretary i'm not I'm, I'm a little confused senator with respect to secretary clinton yeah we investigated Criminal investigation in connection with her use of a personal email server. I understand. And that's the investigation I announced the conclusion of on July 5th. So, but at the same
7: time you made the announcement, there would be no charges brought against uh, then-Secretary Clinton uh, for any activities involved in the Russia involvement in our engagement in our uh, election. I I don't quite understand how you could be done with that, but not complete done with the whole investigation of their attempt to affect the outcome of our
8: election. No, I'm sorry, we're not, at least when I left, when I was fired on May the 9th, there was still an open, active investigation to understand the Russian efforts and whether any Americans work with them.
7: But you reached the conclusion that there was no reason to bring charges against Secretary Clinton. So you reached a conclusion. In the case of Mr. Comey, uh, the president, uh, Comey, excuse no, sir. me, in case of President Trump, you uh, have an ongoing investigation. So you got one candidate who you're done with and another candidate that you have a long way to go. Is that correct?
8: I don't know how far the, the FBI has to go, but yes, that the Clinton email investigation was completed, the investigation of Russia's efforts in connection with the election, and whether there was any coordination... And if so, with whom, you between Russia it, and the campaign, just was ongoing it, when I left.
7: You just made it clear in what you said, this is a, quote, big deal, unquote. Uh, I, I think it's hard to reconcile. In one case, you reach a complete conclusion, and the other side, you have, you have not. And you, uh, in fact, obviously, there's a lot more there, as, as we know, as you called it, a, quote, big deal. She's one of the candidates. But in her case, you say there will be no charges, and in the case of uh, President Trump, the, the, resi- uh, the investigation continues. What has been brought out in this uh, hearing is uh, is more and more emphasis on the Russian engagement and involvement in this campaign. How,
8: how serious do you think this was? Very serious. But I, I want to say some be clear. It was. We have not announced, and there was no predication to announce, an investigation of whether the Russians may have coordinated with Secretary Clinton's campaign. Secretary Clinton's campaign. Oh, no, but
7: they may not have been involved with their campaign. They were involved with the entire presidential campaign, obviously.
8: Of course. Yes, sir. And that, that is an investigation that began last summer, and so far as I'm aware, it continues. So both President Trump
7: and former candidate Clinton are both involved in the investigation, yet one of them, you said, there's going to be no charges, and the other one, the the investigation continues. Well, I I think there's a double standard there, to tell you the truth. Uh, Then when the president said to you, you talked about the uh, April 11th phone call, and he said, quote, because I've been very loyal to you, very loyal, we had that thing you know. Did that arouse your curiosity as what, quote, that thing was? Yes. Why didn't you ask him?
8: it didn 't seem to me to be important for the conversation we were having to understand it. I took it to be some um, an effort to to uh, communicate to me this that there is a relationship between us where i 've been good to you, you should be good to me
7: Yeah, but I, I think it would intensely arouse my curiosity if uh, the President of the United States said we had that thing you know i 'd like to know what the hell that thing is, particularly if I'm the director of the FBI.
8: Yeah, I, I get that, Senator. Honestly, I'll tell you what, this is speculation, but what I concluded at the time is in his memory, he was searching back to our encounter at the dinner and was preparing himself to say, I offered loyalty to you, you promised loyalty to me, and all of a sudden, his memory showed him that did not happen, and I think he pulled up short. That's just a guess, but I, I, I have a lot of conversations with humans over the years. I think I
7: would have had some curiosity if it had been about me,
8: uh, to be honest with you. Uh,
7: so, are you aware Anything that would believe you to believe that the president or the members of the administration or members of the campaign could potentially be used to coerce or blackmail the
8: administration? That's a subject for investigations, not something I can comment on sitting here. But
7: you reached that conclusion as far as Secretary Clinton was concerned but you're not reaching a conclusion as far as this administration is concerned. Uh, Are you aware of anything that would lead you to believe that information exists that could uh, coerce members of the administration or blackmail the administration?
8: That's not a question I can answer, Senator. Senator's time's expired.
0: But, yeah, but like there was a part where, you know, they asked him about this. Like, has Russia been doing this? And he said, Yeah, they've been doing this. They've been doing this for a long time, and they're going to continue to do this after,
2: afterwards. Mm-hmm.
0: And I was almost wondering. I mean, like, I almost wondered because in 2012, in the 2012 election with Romney, Romney had said, like, our greatest geopolitical
9: foe was Russia.
5: Uh, the uh, former governor of Massachusetts, Mitt Romney. Governor, thanks very much for coming in.
9: Thanks, Wolf. Good to be with you. Uh,
5: the President of the United States is in South Korea right now, I had a meeting with uh the, the Russian leader Medvedev, and uh, and he was heard with an open mic. It's always dangerous for these politicians or leaders to be talking near an open mic. He was heard saying this to Medvedev, the Russian president. Listen to this.
9: This is my last for please. Yeah, and after my election I have more flexibility.
2: I understand, I transmit
5: this information to the legum All right, in case you didn't hear it, this is my last election. After my election, I have more flexibility. Th- that is a factual statement that the president is making. If he doesn't have to worry about g- getting reelected, he doesn't have to worry so much about domestic politics. Is there anything wrong in, um, when it comes to national security issues, to be saying something like that to the Russian leader?
9: Yeah, there's something terribly wrong with that. It is, uh, it is alarming. Uh, it is troubling. Uh, the agreement that the president put in place with regards to nuclear weapons is one which I find very, very troubling already. Uh, the decision to withdraw our missile defense sites from Poland uh, put us in greater jeopardy, in my view. The actions he's taken so far, which he says are to reset relations with Russia, have not worked out at all. Russia continues to support Syria, supports Iran has as fought us f- uh, with the crippling sanctions we wanted to have the world put in place against Iran uh, uh, Russia is not a friendly character on the world stage and for this president to be looking for greater flexibility where he doesn't have to answer to the american people in his relations with russia is very very troubling very alarming uh, i am uh, i'm very very concerned i think the american people are going to feel the same way Th- this is a president who is uh, telling us one thing and doing something else and is planning on doing something even more frightening
5: well, when you say even more frightening, what's he planning on doing, in your opinion?
9: Well, my guess is it has to do either with uh, with nuclear arms uh, discussions or it has to do with missile defense sites. Uh, he, w- what he did, both on nuclear weaponry already and the and the New Start treaty, uh, as well as his decision to withdraw uh, missile defense sites w- from from Poland and then reduce our missile defense sites in Alaska uh, from the original plan. I mean, th- these are very uh, unfortunate developments and if he's planning on doing more and suggest to Russia that that he has things he's willing to do with them he's not willing to tell the american people this is to russia that this is without question our number one geopolitical foe they they fight every uh cause for the world's worst actors the the idea that he has some more flexibility in mind for russia is very very troubling indeed
5: well you think russia's a bigger foe right now than let's say iran or china or north korea is that or, or, is that what you're suggesting governor
9: Well, I'm saying in terms of a geopolitical opponent, the nation that lines up with the world's worst actors. Of course, the greatest threat that the world faces is a nuclear Iran, uh, and nuclear North Korea is already troubling enough. But when these, uh, these terrible actors pursue uh, their course uh, uh, in the world, and we go to the United Nations looking for ways to stop them, when, when Assad, for instance, is murdering his own people, uh, we, go, we go to the United Nations, and who is it that always stands up for the world's worst actors? It is always Russia, uh, typically with China alongside. And, uh, and so in terms of a geopolitical foe, a, a nation that's on the Security Council, that has the heft of the Security Council, and is of course a, a massive nuclear power, uh, uh, Russia is the, the geopolitical foe, and, uh, and, and, and the, the idea that our president is, is planning on doing something with them that he's not willing to tell the American people before the election is something I find uh, uh, very, very alarming.
0: And so I almost wonder if uh, that would have been something where, you know, uh, I mean, I know famously Putin doesn't really like Obama or Clinton very much, but you almost wonder if the Russians would have put their fingers on the scale for the Democrats in 2012, you know, Mm -hmm. because Romney had come out and said they were the number one geopolitical enemy.
1: Yeah, they're very utilitarian in that way. They don't really have any allegiance, and um, really, the last defense of Trump, uh, which is going to come to the fore more and more uh, with the diehards, is um, they're going to they're going to say that even though Russia colluded and it wasn't uh, Trump's favor, and he you know to whatever degree encouraged that, um, good. I'm glad it happened, glad the other thing didn't happen. I'm glad they intervened in what you think were so innocent, you know, <laughs> basically.
10: I respect Putin.
6: I do respect him. Do you? Why? I, well, I respect a lot of people, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get along with him. He's a leader of his country. Uh, I say it's better to get along with Russia than not. And if Russia helps us in the fight against ISIS, which is a major fight, and islamic terrorism all over the world. Right. Major fight, that's a good thing. Will I get along with them? I have no idea. He's, He's a killer. Though. Putin's a killer. A lot of killers. We get a lot of killers. Why well, you think our country's so
0: innocent? Yeah. Well I mean, i it's obviously it's a dangerous question to ask if they if the Russians helped Obama in twenty twelve, but I'm not, you know, afraid to ask that question because Obviously, it's entirely clear that if they did anything, they, didn't, they did not reach the levels that it had reached this time. They were not as brazen, they were not
3: as, you know, they didn't put their fingers on the scale as much if they did anything.
0: But,
1: Chai, you heard Putin, you know, maybe it was his patriotic uh, hackers, you know, feeling, feeling that, that national pride.
0: Yeah, that's why I get so angry when I see people still saying, You guys with the Russians, it wasn't, the Russians didn't do anything.
11: It was all Hillary.
0: Like, no, Hillary was a disaster, and I'm not. I'm not out here defending Hillary any day of the week. But um, yeah, but it was the Russians. They all but admitted it, right? I mean, Putin says, "Okay, it might have been some Russian patriots." Um, that's that's as close. He's never going to come out and say, "Yeah, I ordered it," but that's as close as you're going to get. And that's that's him winking and nodding and trolling the American public and saying, oh, "Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't." You know. Somebody did something. It was one of us. (laughs) So, I mean, that, that whole talking point has got to go away. It was the Russians. It was absolutely the Russians. They were doing something. We don't know exactly what, although it seems like we have a pretty good idea.
1: Well, I don't know if you want to get into this yet, but I mean, they, I mean, this is the problem with, with the Trump thing is, it's like, there's no way to keep track of everything that's important because things just fall through the cracks. But, um, reality winner, we got to talk about her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's a good thing. She And it, the frustrating thing about it is she's getting charged with espionage, which is a joke. Um, you know, she's revealed something that the American people should have known. Because as long as the American people don't know what she revealed Do you wanna I mean, would you like to summarize what she revealed the document she leaked?
1: Um basically Allegedly. yeah, I mean I mean on un, un, previously undisclosed levels of infiltration from the G R. U, which is the um what's the opposite of predecessor? um the, the, f- the successor. successor the successor to the su- successor agency to the KGB uh, the GRU okay. um they um, basically inserted um, malware on the uh, county clerk websites uh, voter registrations in I believe 138 locations um they don't actually know how far they got. And I think that's the important part to note. Um, I actually wrote a column about this back when, do you remember when Jill Stein and them launched that um, recount effort right after the election in three states? Yeah. Okay. So they only completed two of those. I think it was Pennsylvania that never even got off the ground. But the other two, Michigan and I think Ohio, um, they found massive irregularities in the in the small number of places they checked in those states. Um, and so I think we have to grapple with the fact that we may be living in a in a in a world where the Russians actually infiltrated our voting systems. And I think we have to seriously question whether or not we have a legitimate president. And I don't say that lightly yeah. at all. Like I, I, don't, I don't think anyone should shirk away from that fact. And I, 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 mm-hmm. think, that, I, I think that all evidence points to that. And, I, and senators have backed this up, too. They've said, I know more than the NSA thing, and it's even worse than that. So I don't yeah. think I'm in the wrong for like, going in that direction. Um, you know, it, it, We haven't checked in a lot of places. We just don't know. There hasn't been a full recount. Yeah. Trump's launching this voter fraud thing with this conspiracy theorist, and he's totally trying to distract from the real issues. Um, anyway, yeah. you go, go ahead however you want to respond to that. But
0: Yeah, well, yeah, we've got an illegitimate administration, and I, I don't restrict it just to the president because if the president won the presidency illegitimately and we impeach him or whatever we do with him, and then the vice president comes in, he's also an illegitimate vice president. So, you know, and quite frankly, at different points in American history, I mean, you can imagine in the 1950s, the 19, late 1940s, the 1980s, at any of these points, if there's evidence of Russian cooperation with a certain party or if there was evidence that the democratic or Republican party was helping cover up for cooperation with the Russians or benefiting the Russians, that party would be in dire trouble. But for some reason, the Republicans are able to let it roll off their back right now, it seems like, for the time being.
1: For the time being. I mean, mean, the real question is how long can they do this? I mean, the, how long can yeah. they balance themselves on top of the bouncing ball? Um, when are they going to fall off? And when, are, when, when is the whole thing going to I have a feeling when all this gets exposed, it's going to happen so fast. And we're not even going to be prepared for it. Like, it's just going to be like this like earthquake-level event uh, in our society when this all comes tumbling down. Because as we pointed out, this is a house of cards. The Republican Party is mm. propping them up um, without, without their help, he has no power. Um, and I think that's a, we, we have checks and balances in this country as long as checks and balances mean something. Um, they don't yeah. mean much right now. Um, and for, for very cynical reasons. And I, I, I question the patriotism of anyone who, uh, on the Republican side, cause I mean, this is the party of Reagan, you're telling me Ronald Reagan yeah. would be happy with what's happening in the Republican Party right now? Give me a break.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I did think all that Reagan worship they were doing a couple of years ago, up until the 2016 election, basically, was, you know, they they were in love with the idea of Reagan, but perhaps not the person of Reagan, actually.
2: Mhm. Uh-huh.
0: So, yeah, at this point, yeah, I mean, they they can hardly say anything good about Reagan because Reagan would obviously be... If you're a Republican party throwing their lot in with Russian you know in- influencers and yeah. interferers and so forth, i
1: don't I don't know about you, but I'm old enough to remember when people on the left were baited with red baiting. Um, you know, and uh, called sympathizers of the Soviet Union if they were too soft on this or that, you know. So, I mean, that was an attack line that was not not in the the very distant past used on people of the other political persuasion. But just because it's convenient, just because it's adjacent to what you want to have happened, uh, you're going to go with it. I
0: don't know. Well, there's three things, there's three directions I kind of want to go from here. And I guess the first thing to note would be that I read an article in on Star recently that six Indiana counties were affected by this uh, this VR systems company that had been, you know, hacked mm-hmm. or whatever. They'd been uh, whatever, or, you know, uh, fish or whatever the hell they call it. Um, and I believe those counties were... I, I far think far I was spearfishing. Spearfishing, yeah. Uh, Floyd County, Cass County... Um, Hold on, what are the other ones? Montgomery County, Vanderbilt County, Vigo County, and Wayne County. As far as I know, I think that those are the six counties in America in Indiana. Huh. Let alone the other 50, the other forty-nine states. But I think that those are the fifth the six counties that were affected by this. Uh Jenk on the Young Turks, I think he has said like I mean, he's he's made a pretty clear distinction between the idea of saying like the Russians hacked the election versus the Russians used propaganda in the election or the Russians may have colluded with Republicans during the election. He's he's been pretty clear about about making that distinction, and I just—I'm very curious to see how he reacts now that it looks like no, there was actual hacking of the companies in charge of vote uh, voter voter machines or voter. You know, it, it gets pretty granular the details at that point. But you know, this is this is this is getting pretty close. To, and some people say, "Well, they didn't change the vote totals." It's like, "Well, we don't really know what they did." And frankly, it's probably maybe somebody knows it somewhere, but it's classified, which is another direction I was going to take it with the reality winner um leak alleged leak um i think you know i think the i think the most dangerous thing right now to america is overclassification because a big part of the american democracy is an informed public but so we have an uninformed public we have a misinformed public and we have information out there that, you know, government agents know about and private contractors who are, you know, sourced to those or assigned to those doing jobs for the government agencies, they know about them. And every now and then something gets leaked. But, you know, they've been the government knows about this stuff and they've been allowing the American people and the, the news, corp, news corporations to argue back and forth about russian hacking and russian influence and all this stuff with incomplete information. And how much, I mean, how much more how much better decisions do you think news and Americans would be making if they had access to the full information? I mean, not the full information necessarily, but like the information that is pertinent mm-hmm. that yes, we know they did this. They did more than we've re- revealed so far. I mean, this information just needs to be out there. I mean, to to the degree that it doesn't endanger human agents who might be operating in a foreign country and to the degree that it doesn't compromise ways that we are gaining information on our enemies at this point so that they can change up and do that. But at the same time, like, yeah, we can we can be getting the information from them from one way, and if we reveal how we got the information from them they're going to change up, we're going to lose that way. But at some point, that doesn't mean you never reveal that way. That means like when a bad enough thing happens, you reveal that way because it becomes important enough. And I think them swinging an American election is bad enough and important enough. And now it's time for the American to be able to make the Americans to be able to make an informed decision about what the next step should be with Russia. Because from the whole time, Donald Trump is trying to ease, ease sanctions on us. Mm. Uh, give them back the property that Obama took away from them inside of America. I,
1: I saw an United Instagram property. post um, on the official Donald Trump Instagram uh, that was like a three photo collage of him uh, with Kislyak and 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 them, and it was like the caption was like, "Let's make peace!" exclamation <laughs> mark. Yeah. It yeah. was it was sickening because I mean this is like this is a country that has a- attacked us and and we're going to like just invite them in more than someone who's actually our ally like Germany.
2: Um
0: yeah. This guy, you know, like people have pointed out, this guy says he's a great deal maker. Well, as an American president, with this kind of thing, you should have leverage over them. You should say, okay, we want to have a better relationship, but you just basically did an act of war, cyber, in our, in our country. And so any negotiation we're going to have is going to start from a standpoint of more, more sanctions, more NATO, um, more, you know, but Trump doesn't want to do that. And the reason is probably because he's already gotten his half of the bargain. Right. He's already accepted his half of the bargain. He got the presidency. They gave him that. And who knows what kind of blackmail they've got on them? They're still saying that the urine tapes with the Russian prostitutes don't e- have not been confirmed, but like that's the only thing in the steel document that's still unconfirmed. And I, I, I bet, I would bet every dollar in my bank account that those tapes exist.
1: Somewhere. We <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if you've been listening to the, Sa- uh, the Sam Harris podcast, but there, but Sam yes. Harris has confirmed uh, on his podcast that the tapes of him saying the N word. Un- outtakes of The Apprentice are real, um, which were long suspected. And we all knew that was true.
6: I mean, you know about the the rumors that there's apprentice outtakes of Trump using the N-word with an impressive lack of self-consciousness, and that these, these tapes were not leaked by Mark Burnett and others there based on, you know, some political calculus. I happen... To know, you know, to a moral certainty that those tapes exist, can't really say how I know that, but I'm willing to say this publicly, I'm, I know they exist. So this, you can imagine something analogous to the, the Mark Furman tapes during the OJ trial
1: and and just like we knew that was true this is like as we've said before we we did a whole episode about the steel document um you know we we, we yeah, feel pretty confident to say that that is true
0: <laughs> yeah I, there's some comedian i forget who it was but he said there's certain things in life and he goes through a list of them kind of like jeff foxworthy style he's like i don't know it's true i just know it's true uh,
2: B- it bill maher bill maher, maher. yeah um
12: Speaking of Donald Trump, and hopefully next year we won't anymore. Uh, you know, we started a segment on the show a couple of years ago called, I don't know it for a fact. <laughs> I just know it's true. You know, it was those things where, like, I can't really prove it. I just know it's true. And I realized this is, whole, this is Donald Trump's whole campaign. <laughs> but we claim this first. So we're going to do it one more time this year. Speaking of another... A politician or a comedian who recently used the n-word okay. <laughs> no adults dress up for halloween they don't do that in nebraska it's frowned upon yeah we don't do that quite as much but wow um, i've got to get to nebraska more I,
9: <laughs> you're welcome we'd love to have you work in the fields with us <laughs> work in the fields. that's
12: part of that that's... senator i'm a house nigger. <laughs> no it's it's a joke <laughs> You're still working in the fields out there, huh? Yeah, and we want our kids to suffer.
1: Yeah, I just listened to the uh, uh, follow-up episode after he did that, over that.
12: first up, he's a professor of sociology at Georgetown University, whose latest book is Tears We Cannot Stop, a sermon to white America. Michael Eric Dyson. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What are you? you... Uh Uh-oh, I can see, all right. Now, Micah, you've sat in this chair before when right. you were the newsmaker. Unfortunately, this week, I find I'm the newsmaker. Yeah. I wanted you to come by here right. because, you know, I want you to, 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 <laughs> to school me. <laughs> uh, I did a bad thing.
13: Yeah, well, that's a great place to begin, Bill. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> a very bad thing. Yeah. Um, but look... In the past, you've been the person who has been on the front line saying that the left shouldn't apologize. Progressives oh. should resist any sense of complicity with a culture that is too apologetic. And yet, you find yourself on the hot seat here tonight. Uh, w- wow. What led to that change of mind? <laughs> oh,
12: and I thought you were going to be easy on me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and you shouldn't. No, that, I mean that's true. But you know, honestly, I've said both. I mean, I, I have. Um, I remember when Mitt Romney was running, he had a book, No Apologies. Uh. You know, like, America should never apologize. And I said, no, apologies are sometimes appropriate. There is a lot of bullshit apologizing in America, and I am against that. Uh, But, you know, we shouldn't apologize for slavery and Japanese internment and Abu Ghraib and Indian genocide and Tuskegee and a million. So when it's appropriate, this was appropriate. Because I'll tell you why, because for for black folks, that word, I don't care who you are, has caused pain. I'm not here to do that. Right. the guy who was here, it's not his fault. I feel right. bad about him, the senator. Mm. Um, it's all on me. Mm. But he said a weird thing. The comic mind goes to a weird place sometimes. Yeah. But doesn't, it doesn't matter that it wasn't said in malice. It wasn't... It, if it brought back pain to people. Right. Well, but... then I, And that's why I apologize freely and I reiterate it tonight. That, well, you... That, 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 that's sincere.
14: Right.
13: But look... But you're used to those cheers. You're not that big of an asshole. All <laughs> right. <laughs> but you're used to those cheers, but you've got to understand. Now, you know I've taken a lot of heat, people saying you're a coon, you're a sellout. Why would you dare go on uh, the show with your guy who's your friend? Because they figure, they figure that I'm going to be complicit with you, that I'm not going to challenge you, that, oh. I, that this is an easy pass. <laughs> but do you understand why people are skeptical and the pain and the suffering? Look, right. when you made the point right. about the house... In and then you, you know, black people were saying, look, it's not as if black people in the house were any better off than people in the field. Both of them were subject to slave dominance, hegemony, hatred, rape, and the like, and as a result of that, as a result of that, people think that that's insensitive.
12: But surely you must know all that was not going on in my mind.
13: (laughs) Right? Well, Uh, of course. And and
12: as far as your question about, you're going to... Look, I know we're friends. Right. And and that is not a greater bond (laughs) than your bond with the black community. I hope we're friends forever, but uh, anyone who knows you knows you're a straight shooter. Right. Uh, I mean, I feel like I got Robert Mueller here. Mm. Mm. You know? Right. I got...
13: So, you know, I... Well, Well, let me ask you this. So, one of the things that you know, my book, the book you mentioned, is about white privilege. I talk a lot about white privilege when I was here before I spoke about that. And people believe that one of the things you did last week was an unconscious reflex. Nobody would ascribe to you any malicious intent, but that's the point, right? That it grows out of a culture that reflexively identifies uh, that particular word with some heinous acts in history. And so they think it's a matter of privilege that it doesn't happen. Let me, let me read you something that my son, a well-known authority uh, on this. He's, this is what he texted me. He said... I know white boys like that who get a pass, who earn a pass from the work they put in. But the coolest and most honorable white boys are the ones that choose not to act on that pass because they understand the history, pain, and insensitivity behind the use of the N-word. So do you, do you truly understand the, the, the need to name and to challenge that unconscious white privilege that exists and how it hurts black people even if unintentionally
12: yeah but uh, of course i I think i do i mean we're all evolving Mm -hmm. we're all who we are right by the way this happened once right a guy said a weird thing i made a bad joke right yes it was wrong and i own up to that Right. But, I mean, it's not like I've made a, a career of this. Right, right. You know, it's not like I went out there la- last Friday and said, "Oh, I'm gonna break some new ground tonight. Right, right, right. It, you know, it happened and it was wrong and people make mistakes, we're all sinners and we gotta, yeah. So, but I, but I totally get that. I, look, I mean, we, we are all evolving right. at the pace of day by day. I grew up in an all white town, yeah. in New Jersey, right. not Alabama. right? That's the country. I, this was, I was born in 1956. Yeah. I grew up in New Jersey in the 50s and 60s and race wasn't even an issue. It didn't exist. Right. We well, were, except my f- parents told me the right thing about it. Right, And I've tried to, by the way, portray the right thing about it. Well, there's no question about that. Which you have said. Well, that, that's know. why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Yeah. There's no question.
13: But here. But here's the issue. You just, put your, you just put your finger on an extremely important point. So that those people over there, right, we think about in the age of Trump, we think about the nefarious uh, resurgence of racism under Jeff Sessions and under Steve Bannon. There's no question about that. So that even if your intent is certainly not to, to cause any kind of pain or horror, you do know that the use of that word then triggered, I think, the, not only the unconscious, but the, but the way in which black people feel on their haunches now because of the resurgence of racism that you, that, that the reason I'm here is because you have attacked that. You are, you are the one who said denying racism is the new racism. You're the one who called Donald Trump out. On his racism and force him to show his birth certificate but the what's what's interesting and tricky here is that when i talk about white privilege in my book i talk about people who are consciously the allies of black people but who may also inadvertently unintentionally but nonetheless lethally participate in a culture that ends up hurting as you've acknowledged black people uh in a way that has to be grappled with that's why i think there was so much outrage and hurt and pain people don't think oh bill maher is a racist i don't think most people thought that what they thought was if even bill maher can at some level capitulate to a level of unconscious privilege then the rest of us are in a in a serious spot okay but But i'm
12: not here to make excuses but first of all the word is omnipresent in the culture so the fact that it Was in my mind, is you know. Also, is there what part of what you're saying true? Absolutely. As I said, I'm just a product of of the country, like everybody else. But I just don't want to pretend this is more of a race thing than a comedian thing. Mm. Comedians are a special kind of monkey,
13: (laughs) so to speak. We are. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Don't,
2: don't. don't fuck with me. <laughs> uh,
12: we are a trained right. thing that tries to get a laugh. Sure. That's that's what we do. That's right. all we are always thinking. Right. And this is not the first time this has happened. First time on this subject, but right. not the first time I've gotten in trouble in private right. at, as well as in public because right. that's what. Comedians are somehow wired to do is like right. always go. We want to make those people laugh, right. and sometimes we transgress a sensitivity point. I mean, my friend Kathy Griffin, yeah, who by the way owes me uh, a fruit basket for getting right. her off the front page.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. No, uh, doubt. no
12: doubt. But you know, there's a, there's a, a, a similarity there because like what she did. Uh, As much as I hate Trump, Mm. yeah, that's wrong. You don't do that to whoever the president is. Right. But, you know, she was going for a laugh. And I understand that we sometimes do cross the line. Where I, I, you know, where I wanted to say to her is, she said, Trump broke me. No, he shouldn't. And my career's over. No, it's not. Right. You make a mistake... You don't have to go away. Right. Everyone makes mistakes.
13: No, no question about that. Let me say this. Kathy Griffin should not go away. No, no, no. You know, I talk in this book, and I think you and I have talked about this offline, uh, that when I first heard nigger say it to me, I was a seven-year-old child, Yes. Uh, with my friends in the South. I reread it this right, week. Right. I
12: mean, I felt even worse.
13: I mean, look, and it's real because that kind of crashing consciousness that I am different, that I am forever consigned to a different box, relegated to a different reality, so that even with... I think you're absolutely right in terms of the comedic line. You know what people would respond to that by saying, but look, there are trigger points even in comedy that lines you should not cross, as you said, Kathy should not do. And when it comes to race, you know that. I mean, it's not that I'm introducing a new concept to you. You understand Understand that, But the reality is that there are so many people who are vulnerable out here who are black people, brown people, red and yellow people who are vulnerable, who don't have the protection of a culture so that their comedians might make jokes. Think about it. Uh, I, I thought about Larry, Larry, look, you remember Larry David, um, I, one of my favorite scenes from Curb Your Enthusiasm is when a black man comes up to him and says, hey, you my nigga. And Larry David wants to show affection. So he wants to go, you're my... He says, are you, are you my Caucasian? So, <laughs> so what he understood, what he understood was that's a line he can't cross, and because he understands he can't cross it, even his comedy has to be disciplined by it. Now, now as you've already said, the reason okay. I'm here, wait a minute, the reason I'm here is because I'm willing to take the heat for people because I think that the Bill Maher I know has been on the front line, protecting, arguing, standing up, standing up. people. You made a mistake. You've acknowledged that mistake. And I think it's important for the nation not to rush past that, but to understand that even as celebrated, and as conscientious a figure as you, if you can make a mistake, that means the rest of us can. So we have to grapple with how deeply rooted that is. So for me, look, I know you're not a a Christian, and you're an atheist, and I'm a Christian, but I tell people often, I'd rather work with you as an atheist because you ultimately believe in the principles of justice. But my Bible tells me, to whom much is given, much is required. You've been given a great deal, and as a result of the great deal that you've been given, I want to see you continue to stand up and trumpet justice for those who are vulnerable to reinforce their standing in a culture where you've gone after the powerful and done it in such a powerful way. That's why I text you often every week after the show and say, Bill, yeah. you got in their faces again. And in getting in their faces again, that means standing with those who are vulnerable for those who are, who are, who are who have their right, to
12: right? Now, Look, I mean, every quarterback throws an interception.
13: No doubt, no doubt.
12: And I try to squeeze them in. Yeah. More than most.
13: Yeah, yeah, you bark- you're you Brett Farming
12: the game there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, look, what what bothered me about this is that I, 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 it's, it cost me a lot of political capital. Yeah. I'll use that term yeah. even though I'm a comedian. But I'm a comedian who's doing something a little different than most, which is, of course, I'm trying to entertain right. and be popular. That's my political capital. Right. But at the same time, I'm saying things that are sometimes unpopular even with my own... Absolutely. Liberal group, yes. which most people don't. Yeah, we celebrate. So I'm always, you We're know, aware of like, well, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to spend political capital for mm-hmm. a cause or a view that I think needs to be out there. Right. This wasn't that. This was just a mistake. All right. This was just a dumb interception.
13: You yeah, know? Right. Well, no doubt. So, so you know, but again,
12: I've been on 24 years.
13: Right. Well, there's no question. And and but and the thing is, it's not is right. I, as I said. As I said, you know, that this would be a teachable moment. It is a teachable moment because you happen to be the kind of person whose conscience causes you to be reflective. There are so many more millions of people who exercise white privilege without any sense of consciousness and who refuse to own up to that in a way. And I think... Whether or right. not you intended that to be the case, it at least opens up the possibility that we can have that conversation. You, you, and I think that's a consequence you, you,
12: you mentioned a few minutes ago the fact that I introduced that phrase into the language. Yes. Denying racism is the new racism. Yes. I mean, a, a vast majority of Fox News viewers think racism doesn't exist.
13: Right, that we've made it up. <laughs> that
15: we've made and it up. And that the
12: real problem is reverse racism. Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, there's a lot of work to do, and, and your book talks about what... Let's get to what people can really do. Yeah. Because you talk about reparations yeah. and you talk about reading. Right, right. Just, just it's in critical. the time we have left, tell us about those two things. Well, I think they're important.
13: And you know, and when I talk about reparations, I'm not saying that every white person should give their money to black people, though after the show if anybody is willing to do that. <laughs> 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 I certainly want to be available. Uh, but I'm talking about practical things. Let me tell you what, some people, some white folk read my book and wrote me and said, look, I took you seriously. I went out and bought some com- some computers that were, that were tore up, that were jacked up. I got them fixed, I took 20 computers over to the local school with African American people, and you should, and they sent me the pictures of them, and it was incredible. So those are the kind of practical things, practical wisdom, practical justice that can be rendered in the name of that. And then reading, reading, look, look, all of us need to deepen our awareness of what's going on. As you know, Bill, I mean, and you'll have that conversation later, black people ourselves are at war with each other about whether we use the N-word or not. Some people think we should, some people think we shouldn't. Uh, I'm not a racial loyalist in the sense of, I believe we should be fundamentally aligned to a certain position that says, if you believe this and you're legitimate and you're black, and if not, you don't. I don't believe in that. I believe in the same kind of thing you believe in, the kind of irreverence. But, having said that, what I also understand is that reading and engaging the world around us, learning something about the world before you, so many people speak about race and they have racial amnesia. They're caught in a fog of dismemory. They want to see the world the way they want to see it. They listen to Fox all day long. They believe that the president is the greatest man. I'm talking about the present president. It, uh, in the history of the world, and what they fail to understand is that this new age in which we live has certified and legitimated the resurgence of some of the most heinous expressions of anti-blackness that we've seen. And we need you as an ally. And I'm glad we got you, brother, Doctor, Professor, right. my friend. Thank Bye. you so much, brother. <laughs> Bye,
12: Thank Michael you.
0: Eric Tyson. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to check out some of that stuff tonight and see what, what the I heard Ice Cube was it Ice Cube was there. Oh yeah. yeah, Ice
1: Cube was particularly hard on him. So Yeah.
12: All right. Let's bring out Ice Cube. He's an actor, producer, and iconic rapper whose historic album from nineteen ninety-one death certificate is now re-released in a twenty-fifth anniversary edition with three new songs. Ice Cube <laughs> Okay. All right. So I know you're here to promote an album. I know yeah. you also want to talk about my transgression. What do you want to yeah. do first?
2: <laughs>
15: I knew you was gonna fuck up sooner or later. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. I did. I love your show. You got Thank a great show. You. Thank you. You know, uh. But you be bucking up against that line a little bit. You know, you got a lot of black jokes. You know what I'm saying? You do. Well, in against racists. Uh, Not, yes. Uh, sometimes you sound like a redneck trucker up No, here, I don't. Yes, you do. No, that yes, I gotta, do. no, I don't. That yes, I gotta push back on. All right, it's my opinion. Okay, it is. My, my thing I've is this. I've never is, heard that opinion before. but My thing is this, you know, and I'm cool with you. I like your show, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I just want to know two questions. What made you think that it was cool to say that. You
12: know, I, I, just, That's ex- one question. I just explained, it, 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 there was no thought put into it. Obviously, I was telling Dr. Dyson, comedians, they react. And it was wrong, and I apologized. And, you know, th- I, more than that, I can't
2: do.
15: I accept your apology. But I still <clears throat> think we need to get to the root of the psyche, because I think it's a lot of guys out there who, cross the line cuz they a little too familiar, or they think they too familiar. Or it's guys that, you know, you might have a black girlfriend or two that made them some Kool-Aid every now and then. And they think they can cross the line, and they can't. You know, it's a word that has been used against us, it's like a knife, man. And you can use it as a weapon, or you can use it as a tool. It's been used as a weapon against us by white people. And we're not gonna let that happen again, by nobody. Because it's not cool. Now, I know you heard, it's in the the lexicon, everybody talking. But that's our word now. That's our word now. And you can't have it back. I know they are trying to get it back. This guy, and I'm not talking about you, yeah, Bill. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not talking about you, Bill. Okay. But I'm talking about guys who cross the line every day because they got some black homies, they got some friends, they think it's cool, and it's not cool because when I hear my homie say it, it don't feel like venom. When I hear a white person say it, it feel like that knife stabbing me, even if they don't mean it. So, you know, I like your show, and it's a great show, and. I just don't know sometimes, is this a political show, or is it a show about jokes? And sometimes, sometimes the jokes, I know I understand the the format, and you know, you gotta say it's a comedian show, but this, to me, is a political show. And I think you just have to uh, not step on some of the political messages that you're saying with a joke because some things just ain't funny. You know what I mean? Some, this is real right here I, I, that we're going through. And I'm, I'm not trying to get on your case, Bill. I'm telling you, I like your show, I like you. But I think this is a teachable moment, not just to you, but to the people that's watching right now. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not, I'm not But not I think to, the people I'm, watching I'm, right now
12: are, are saying that point has been made. Not by me. Okay. <laughs>
15: All right. All right, man. But you, but you made, it. I mean, I made it. I made it. I made it. I'm done. And we can laugh now. We can tell jokes. Okay. Would you like to...
16: I mean, I agree with what Ice Cube said, but furthermore, I also think it's about the context in which the joke was made. Like, we know you apologize, but in the context, you were... You essentially, by referring to yourself as a house anything, you attempted to whitewash who was really enslaved in the house, you know, as a white person in America, you would have been the master, the slave owner, not someone enslaved in the house. And it was mostly black women who were enslaved in the house, who were raped, who were beaten daily, day in and day out. They endured physical and mental abuse. And so for a lot of people in America, that was like a slap in the face to black America, particularly to black women. And so I'm with Ice Cube and Dr. Dyson. This is a teachable moment. And in this teachable moment, we have to talk about just educating and taking it farther. Look, this is on the backdrop. We are two years shy of the 400th anniversary of the first 20 African people being brought to this continent as slaves. We. This is on the backdrop of Confederate monuments of the Confederacy being taken down from Charlottesville, Virginia, to New Orleans, Louisiana, and people protesting about it. We got to fight white folks on taking down the statues of the Confederacy. This is on the backdrop of right here in L.A. not two weeks ago when LeBron James was called the N-word, one of the most powerful um, people and most known people in the world, and so I, it's a teachable moment for everyone to understand that it is more than just a word. Black people are literally fighting the systems of white supremacy and institutionalized racism every single day, and we every single day. And for some, for some people, it does not matter how much money we make, what job we do. I have. I was literally on the campaign trail with Bernie Sanders. I was attempted to be yanked out of the entourage for no other reason except that I was a black woman walking with Bernie. That is an issue, and so we have to remember that uh, we still have some work to do, and we still got some farther places to go. Maybe we need to take a group field trip on now to the <laughs> National Museum of African American History and Culture. We're going right. to just do it because to put some some visuals to the things that we're talking about. Can I, can I say, Louie?
0: I think it's... a. Uh, <sighs> that's a that's a very complicated issue and i think you know frankly i don't know i think bill maher is he's one of these people who's an extreme you know free speaker and a lot of people who are complaining about him now have also championed his cause of no you can say anything you want i mean i think that you know freedom of speech is absolute and all this stuff and i i I also think i've you know I don't know. I think it's complicated. I could see that, like, I mean, it wasn't really a joke. It was just kind of kind of goofy banter he was doing with the, what was it, Sass? What was the guy's name? I do think, like, I don't know. I, I read an article by somebody one time who was, I think he's Korean-American or something, and he had written something about what he calls, it's his own word, I think he calls it magic word racism which is like where a person who has basically never shown a racist bone in their body or something, but they say one magic word that people get offended about and people suddenly they're like the most uh, disgusting racist you've ever met and they don't understand, you know? And he said, he, he finds that kind of ridiculous. He says that a person can say a single word. He basically is arguing that context matters, you know? Mm -hmm. And I I do think that that's, I think that's important. I think it was kind of ill-advised. I think it's not something I probably would have done on his show if I were him Um, but I mean but he's on he's on live
1: television and I know that I stress over like what I put out into the world on this podcast for example but I have control over what I put out even in that case, and I still get nervous. Like he's on live television uh, for you know dozens of years. Um, yeah. So I mean, and, and overall, I think I think Bill Maher has done more good than bad. Like far outweighing, Um uh, he, 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 I, I don't see any other late night comedian, uh, talking the way he does about certain issues.
0: Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I mean, my thing is, I mean, some people say we've all, oh, we've always known that Bill Marlis racist because of his Islamophobia stuff. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I think I, I, I like, um, what were we talking about? The podcast, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, racism, uh, no, 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 the, uh, the atheist? Um, oh, Sam Harris? Sam Harris. I like I like his podcast. I like his thinking. I think he's an extremely intelligent guy. But I do think, I do worry that he's kind of got, I mean, logically, like if you sat me down with him and I tried to debate him, he would probably run circles around me, I'm, I'm sure. But I, I do, I have a feeling, I, I can't describe it like logically, but I have a feeling that he's got something, you know, something about Islam with him. That just, he, you know, I don't know. I I don't know what it is. There's something a little bit beyond what's necessary, I think. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Well,
1: it's it's not so much the facts you say are wrong at a certain point. It's just like, what are you focusing on in your life?
0: Um, Yeah, and I I, I do think that he and people like Bill Maher and stuff, they don't give enough... um, perhaps weight to the context. And the context is that, you know, and I, I do think, I think he acknowledges this, but, you know, Christianity has been in some pretty draconian periods mm-hmm. throughout its history, and it happens that Islam seems to be going through that right now. Mm-hmm. And it also seems to be exacerbated by the effects of, you know, post-colonialism globally, mm-hmm. worldwide and, uh, 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 the the past 20 years of war, let alone the past, you know, 70 years of war with Mm -hmm. Israel or whatever that various countries have engaged in, and uh, uh, you know, it's a... It's a byproduct of its environment
1: and I don't think people that have his exact way of thinking take that into account enough. I think that's the major flaw in their argument, because Islam has been around for a long time, and... Mm -hmm certain, you know, real politic factors have only been in place for a couple decades. Um, yeah. and, and, and I think, I don't think we can completely discount that, especially since he's a person that doesn't believe in free will. I think you should extra get that, um, that just by dint of where you're born and when you're born determines so much, yeah. you know, so.
0: Yeah, I, I, like I, so I, I, anyways, I have a, a similar feeling about Bill Maher, basically. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's generally right about religion. I like his kind of irreverent take on it all. But, you know, some people say it's racism sometimes. And I, you know, I don't, it, I, I don't fully buy that. But I do think that there's something there that those guys have that's just a little bit more you know, if they were more anti-Christian, I could understand that because they're growing up in the context of a Christian society in a lot of ways. Although ostensibly we're supposed to be a secular society, and maybe in a lot of ways we are, but I know.
1: think Christian victimhood uh, plays into that. Though, have you have you seen the Christian outrage uh, about Bernie Sanders just recently?
3: No, what, what do they say? Okay,
1: so there was somebody that was getting confirmed by the Senate. I don't know who a judge may be, I don't know. But anyway, the person being questioned was a Christian. And Bernie Sanders apparently picked a, 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 a fight with him over his religion, you know, making decisions from whatever post he would have.
11: Let me get to this issue uh, that has bothered me and bothered many other people and that is in the piece that I referred to that you wrote for a publication called Resurgent. You wrote, "Muslim quote, Muslims do not simply have a deficient theology. They do not know God because they have rejected Jesus Christ, his son, and they stand condemned, end of quote. Do you believe, do you believe that that statement is Islamophobic?
17: Absolutely not, Senator. I'm a Christian. And I believe in a Christian set of principles based on my faith. Uh, that post, as I stated in the questionnaire to this committee, was to defend my alma mater, Wheaton College, a Christian school that has a statement of faith that includes the centrality of Jesus Christ for salvation and... Again, I
11: apologize. I do Forgive me. I, we just don't have a lot of time. Do you believe that people in the Muslim religion
17: stand condemned? Is that your view? Again, Senator, I'm a Christian, and I wrote that piece in accordance with the statement of faith of Wheaton College. I understand that. I don't know how
11: many Muslims there are in America. I really don't know. Probably a couple of million. Are you suggesting that all of those people stand condemned? What about Jews? They stand condemned, too?
17: Senator, I'm a Christian. I... I understand you are a Christian, but this country
11: is made up of people who are not just. I understand that Christianity is the majority religion but there are other people who have different religions in this country and around the world. In your judgment, do you think that people who are not Christians are going to be condemned?
17: Thank you for probing on that question. As a Christian, I believe that all individuals are made in the image of God and are worthy of dignity and respect regardless of their religious beliefs. I believe that, that as a Christian, that's how I should treat all individuals. And do you in- think
11: your statement that you put into that publication... They do not know God because they've rejected Jesus Christ, the son, and they stand condemned. Do you think that's respectful of other religions?
17: Senator, I wrote a post based on being a Christian and attending a Christian school that has a statement of faith that speaks clearly with regard to the centrality of Jesus Christ in salvation.
11: I would simply say, Mr. Chairman, that this nominee um, is really not someone with what this country is supposed to be about. Bible vote no.
1: Mhm. And and Christians got extra offended at this. I don't know the I don't know the details, but but the thing for me is it's like eh, the whole Christian I- ideology uh in in today's uh you know world is just like searching for victimhood. Um in a yeah. lot of ways.
0: It wants to be martyred, you know. Yeah. Part of their part of their origin myth, but um, <laughs> I or origin story, if you prefer. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I I do think like I do think that there's something like I mean, I do like I, maybe I've been out of America for too long, but I do feel like there is something on the left wing. And it's on the right wing, too, and it's in the Christian, you know, mindset to some degree, too, that where everybody wants to be the victim, and there is kind of like a victimhood Olympics. Like, if you're this kind of person with these kind of features or this kind of background, then you have... A higher level of victimhood than this other person, and so your opinion matters more, or your word matters more, or your, you know, your you have more authority to speak on certain topics. And to some degree, of course, that's true. But on the other hand, I don't, you know, I think everybody a person, and everybody is, has a right to their opinion. And everybody has a right to say their opinion, and if they've arrived at that opinion via logic and via you know empathy or trying to put themselves in other people's places, then you know they, they're worthy of some level of respect for what they're saying it's you can't just shut them down and say well but i but i do think like a lot of people on the left want to be victims in a way or, one way or another but also a lot of people on the right are blind to the fact that they do they want to do the exact same thing like when i was in elementary school i took shit for not being christian not going to church you know this was north carolina in the 1990s there was a baptist revival going on and so you know at a young age i was exposed to kind of some discrimination about my religion and it pissed me off. So that was a kind of victimhood. But for Christians to say in America that they feel like victims is a joke because they don't live in they don't live in communities that are majority non-Christian. They just don't. <laughs> you know, I mean, you you put your finger anywhere on the map in America, outside of possibly a couple of small places, and they're going to be in the majority. So I, you know. I just don't think they understand what you know when you're when you're in the majority you're not the victim mm-hmm. like you, I mean you could be you could be victims of certain things but as an individual but generally when you're in the majority population the society is not victimizing yet. Um mm-hmm. Interpersonally, there may be something that happens here or there or something. It might be an uncomfortable incident or maybe even some sort of discrimination in a way. But I, I, I have never been convinced that by their arguments that society is against them or that they are the victims now or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, I don't know. Um, but so anyways, yeah, Bill Maher and... Situation. So, so, I guess getting back to the point, some people say that Bill Maher's always been racist, and we've always known this because he's so anti-Muslim. But I think the thing is, I mean, he can have Muslims on his show, and he'll be perfectly, you know, polite to them and kind to them and talk to them or whatever. I mean, I, I, it's not like. And the thing is, with Bill Maher, he's notorious for having a thing for African American women. Right? I mean. like he gave a million dollars to Barack Obama's like re-election campaign. Well, I mean, to be fair, Cha,
1: uh, so did Thomas Jefferson. So.
2: Well, yeah,
0: he, he gave money to Obama's re-election. Camp. <laughs> yes, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, yeah, but
0: I, I, I but the thing is, I, I think this is where I'm getting back to kind of like the magic word, racist. I just think that just the fact that that Bill Maher used the N-word in a kind of a flippant off-color remark, no pun intended, uh, when he was trying to you know, keep some kind of lively banter going and the guy said something about him working in the fields. I mean, obviously I can see, I can follow the train of logic up working in the fields, slaves, slaves worked in the fields, yada, 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 who didn't work in the fields. Like, I can follow that logic. You know, it's not very funny, but it's, I don't know. I just don't think saying one word on TV uh, undoes everything else that that Bill Maher has done over the past, you know, his entire life. I
1: I just don't like that people have to go away when these things happen. Like, why do you have to go away? Like, does, like, one thing, like, negate everything else? Like, can we not, like, have a time when somebody does something and then they, you know, get a response from it and then they you know maybe change or change their behavior you know
0: well I, I can understand making some people go away like when you know i was i was a little i was angry at uh saturday night live when they kept having donald trump on as like this funny guy to like poke fun of himself on their show Because if if you're a, for example, if you're Rosie O'Donnell, an extreme specific example, or if you're a Hispanic American who doesn't like people like you being called rapists and murderers and drug dealers and stuff, then every time you see this guy on their show, that's going to piss you off and that's going to remind you that even though he said horrible things about people like you, he's still part of the in crowd. He still gets to have his platform and stuff, you know, so I can understand that, but I think that people who are going after, uh, you know, of course, the counter argument I already know. I'm a white, cisgendered male in the 21st century, so what the hell do I know about it? So shut the fuck up, right? I know, I know, but. Be real, come on. Bill Maher has not—he's not been against blacks in any way, shape, or form for a couple years. In fact, I mean, probably—I mean, Bill Maher probably in his personal life he probably got a hood pass a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Am I I wrong? No, no, absolutely. And and probably they call him what they call him when they're hanging out with him, and he got the mistaken idea in his head somehow. So if you got to do anything to Bill Maher, revoke his hood pass. But beyond that, you know, put him on probation. I don't know. I don't know what the system is, but you know, I'm just saying. Like I think, like probably there are probably factors in his life that gave him the idea that he could say that without it being a huge deal. So. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's kind of my my take on about Bill Maher. Well,
1: you should uh, you should listen to the uh, follow up episode to that last episode. Um, I was so mad though because I, uh, I I downloaded that podcast of it and then I listened to it. And when it go when after I finish listening to a podcast, it goes into a to be deleted state. And if I don't pull it out of the to be deleted state within a certain time period, it is deleted. Yeah, <laughs> and and then they took that man. episode away. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I already lost it. I already only heard it yeah. once. I was like, "What?"
0: Well, um, you can. I mean, on YouTube, you can probably. Yeah, I'm, I
1: already found can. it again, but it was it was kind of jarring. I mean, it's like they they took that away from the the feed.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So, somewhere I've got a I've got an old copy of uh, GTA San Andreas, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, mm. still so has the hot coffee. Uh, content locked in it, but um, I don't know if there's anybody still alive on the planet who can mod my Xbox to the degree that it would need to be to uh, access all that content again. But it's, it's it's it gives me a good feeling just knowing it's still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but, but okay, so I, there was some, <laughs> we're getting way off topic, but I guess there was some point like, so... So, like, I mean, one of the one of the arguments I heard online a lot from conservatives was, you just know that if a if a conservative had said the N word and not Bill Maher, you, you libs would be calling for their heads right now. it's like, yeah, we probably would, because a lot of conservatives, most conservatives, who would have said that word, hold a certain a lot of beliefs about black people that they've probably talked about in the past that mean that they have something else backing up their use of that word other than what Bill Maher had. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you're like one of these All Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter folks and you see the N-word, well, you, if you believe the, you know, the, the, you want to hang the Confederate flag everywhere you can, you want to keep Robert E. Lee on a statue post somewhere in the South or whatever— then you have a different attitude towards black people in America in the twenty first century than Bill Maher does. And so mm-hmm. yes, we are gonna judge your usage of that word differently. It's you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 not magic word racism, but if you hold certain beliefs and you think you can use the word in the same way, it's like I don't know. I think that I think that's where I draw a distinction between those two two kinds of people using the word. So
1: mm-hmm. Well I mean and people want to uh, you know, you know money the waters between the fact that you know and you know I get why people do this but it's it's not the same he did go with the a and instead of the er I do want to I do want to point that out and people want to obfuscate that fact but there is a difference and I think in the context he was using it I think he was trying to be uh less offensive than, you know ingratiating you know what I mean like i don't I don't think he was coming at it uh in a malicious way I think there are like uh you know pepe warriors out there who would not do that you know what i mean like i think we have to make that distinction too you know those people aren't teachable those people aren't like that there's no bringing some of those kekistan fools back
0: <laughs> yeah they're a basket of deplorables um but, but i mean on the other hand i don't think the a ending exists in the context of house house inward, doesn't No, it? I mean, I no, I, that, 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 yeah, I that was such a
1: dumb, why? why, why did you do that?
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so I'm just saying, like, I mean, I think the house, jum jump, jump, like, etc. ends in <laughs> ER, I mean, I've never heard it used a different way, I mean, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. but anyways, anyways, yeah, enough about Bill Maher, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> Back to James Comey. Yeah,
1: the six foot eight Boy Scout.
3: Yeah,
0: I mean, I will say this about James Comey. I think he's a he's a bit of a drama queen. You know, he doesn't mind being in the spotlight. He likes it. He likes to give his hot take that goes against the conventional wisdom of the day or whatever. Um, I think he, I think he probably sees himself as kind of like a, like a, I, I'm just totally speculating here, but I have a feeling he sees himself as just kind of like this, like, you know, this 1940s G man, oh, that's a fifties thing maybe, but like kind of, you know, the, the 1940s kind of a stoic, well-dressed, always wearing a suit, kind of a uh, private investigator, you know, just kind of like a, a serious guy, right? He's, he's Joe, like Joe Friday. It, who, who's that? Uh, Dragnet. Okay. But Dragnet came a little later, didn't it? When was Dragnet? 60s. Okay. I'm thinking earlier. I'm thinking 40s. I'm thinking like, you know... I don't know. Um, I don't know who are those. Who are some of those big actors, the the manly men actors of the forties and thirties or whatever? Uh, uh, Cary Grant. Yeah, yeah. I think he thinks he's like a Cary Grant kind of guy. Which you know, yeah, I mean, everybody has their right to their own image of themselves, but I don't know. He he he, he likes the spotlight, mm-hmm. but you know, the, I mean, what, what did you think about his explanation for why he? Well, he said, OK, he said the thing and, you know, I know you and I talked about this back at the time, but I think we did about Bill Clinton getting on the damn airplane with Loretta mm-hmm. Lynch when she was in charge of the investigation of Hillary. We said at the time I'm yeah. on record as saying that that was fucking
2: stupid. Mm-hmm. Right. It's yeah. like,
3: Let me go back, if I can, very briefly to. The decision to publicly go out with your results on the email. Was your decision influenced by the Attorney General's tarmac meeting with the former President Bill Clinton?
8: Yes, in in a ultimately uh, conclusive way, that was the thing that kept it for me that I had to do something separately to protect the credibility of the investigation, which meant both the FBI and the Justice Department
3: were there other things that contributed to that, that you can describe in an open session?
8: There were other things that contributed to that. Uh, but one significant item I can't, I know the committee's been briefed on. There's been some public accounts of it which are nonsense, but I understand the committee's been briefed on the classified facts. Probably the only other consideration, that I guess I can talk about an open setting, is that at one point the Attorney General had directed me not to call it an investigation, but instead to call it a matter which confused me and concerned me, but that was one of the bricks in the load that led me to conclude I have to step away from the department if we're to close this case credibly.
0: Even if he did just talk about his grandchildren, which I don't buy for a second, it doesn't look good. It it has the... It has the appearance of corruption, mm-hmm. and so you know if that kind of thing. And when when James Comey said that, like Loretta Lynch had told him not to call the Clinton thing an investigation, but to call it a matter, mm-hmm. he said that that really triggered him and made him think, "Oh God, I'm I'm not going to use the same language that the Clinton camp is using on this thing." Mm-hmm. Um, what do you What do you think about that? I mean, does that excuse? Does that because like I've been angry like most liberals about him. <clears throat> I don't know. I I, I think the FBI... I don't know. In a lot of places in America, I think we've got this situation where the way things have been done has become kind of enshrined as this this unbreakable thing, even when the current circumstances might make it better to break that. Like, for example, he says, well, we don't comment on ongoing investigations, and so there was an ongoing investigation of the Trump campaign, but the Clinton campaign was not ongoing, and so we commented on it. I'm like, okay, but the more salient issue is that the Republicans had the talking point, we're going to elect a Democrat who's under- FBI investigation? Mm-hmm. No, that's uh, that's beyond the pale. When at, the fact was that the Republican was under the FBI investigation. Well, so,
1: to, to my I, knowledge, they, the Trump uh, investigation began after that famous quote of Russia. If you're listening, um,
0: okay.
1: I, I I've read articles to that effect. I'll I'll take that back if that's not true. But I I I, <laughs> I think that that was that was the triggering event where they were like hmm. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, not creepy at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you back? <laughs>
1: I gotta say, I got hung up a, on, on a few times as I tried to call back.
0: Really? Yeah. huh no, I didn't. I didn't do anything there. I, that's weird.
1: It was right at the forty-five minute mark
0: okay okay well
1: i said russia if you're listening and and the phone went dead yeah they're like hang up hang up oh we disconnected their call oh darn you
0: can't dial the number gee whiz (laughs) yeah it's a funny thing funny thing happened to the enemy of russia (laughs) on the phone I gotta work on my Russian accent, yeah, you do we all gotta do <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh we yeah, we might have to be doing that literally we're all gonna be speaking it in a few years, <laughs> anyway, where were we something about okay something about James Comey yep um about
1: Russia. Oh, oh, when when the investigation began? Yeah, I was just saying that the the investigation began in July of 2016, really in earnest. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Paul Manafort, you know, and Flynn, they were all doing what they were doing, but I I think the the dots started to connect around that point. Um, And this was around the time that you know the Republican platform was changed, uh, you know, around Ukraine or whatever. Um,
0: Yeah, to de-emphasize things like eastern europe and yeah yeah right
1: around yeah. that time i think that's when things started clicking for people um now i do do you want to talk about the steel dossier yet
0: um yeah what about it
1: well, I think it's notable, it's like the um, uh, Sherlock Holmes quote, the dog that didn't bark, you know, sometimes it's what's not said. There were many questions that he said you could not answer in open
3: session. At the time of your departure from the FBI, was the FBI able to confirm any criminal allegations contained in the Steele document?
8: Mr. Chairman, I don't think that's a question I can answer in an open setting. Because it goes into the details of the investigation.
1: Because you realize that we only got to hear the morning session that was the open session, the un- the unclassified section.
0: Um, yeah, like 1 p.m. they were going to go to closed session. Yes, and, and that is, where, is he where he right will right talk
1: right. about that. And, and a third meeting with the Russians and Sessions came out during that also, um, yeah. that we know. But uh, but who knows what else was said. Um,
3: yeah,
0: and this is, this is the infuriating, this is the continually infuriating thing because... The Republican Party is banking on Americans not having access to the classified information. I mean, that's part of their—they can say anything they want as long as the American people don't know the whole truth. And that's, again, that's a a situation where I think that the Americans' right to know supersedes this this institutionalized, classify-everything attitude. It's like, you know, the American people can only make the best decision they can make based on the amount of information they have access to. And so you know, I don't know. I mean, what if what if somebody had come out? Like, what if the FBI, CIA, all these people had come out during the campaign and said, "Yeah, this guy's working with the Russians. A lot of people around him are working with the Russians. We, it's true. We know it. Here's how we know it. Here's the evidence. Go ahead and vote for who you want to vote for, or maybe not. Maybe we just arrest the guy. But, but you know, just imagine like, if that had happened. If that had happened even during the primary. You know, God bless them, the Republicans would have had a chance to choose a more reasonable candidate, perhaps.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, whatever that means, more reasonable in a Republican context. But, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean... I just, yeah, I think that the, yeah, and I I do, I continue to think like this thing about how they're not talking about the thing with the Russian prostitutes and the urine and all that stuff. I mean, it happened. We we don't know it happened, but we all know it happened. Like I said earlier, I mean, it's like they're refusing to comment on that and confirm it, but it's like, okay, but everything else in the dossier you're acknowledging is true. Why do you think that that fact would not be true based on what we know about Donald Trump's person? and his attitudes towards women and his attitudes towards other people and his attitudes towards obama and michelle obama why would we not believe that mm-hmm. you know, what what yeah i don't know so i'm i'm eagerly waiting for the day that that'll hit the internet <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, and not even that, just like, as we talked about in the episode where we talked about that, like the, the, the financial stuff too, not just the salacious sex stuff. I mean, there's, there's more disturbing stuff on the way because if, if, you know, no one else will lend him money. Um, And he's beholden financially. We haven't seen his tax returns. We don't know. Um,
2: Yeah. No
0: lawyers will represent him right now, except mm -hmm. this one dude who doesn't know how to spell president, apparently.
2: Yeah.
6: And this is Mark Kasowitz, President Donald Trump's
4: personal attorney. He'll make a short statement. We will not be taking questions. This is also Michael Bowe of the Kasowitz Law Firm.
18: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Mark Kasowitz. President Trump's personal lawyer. Contrary to numerous false press accounts leading up to today's hearing, Mr. Comey has now finally confirmed publicly what he repeatedly told President Trump privately. That is, that the President was not under investigation as part of any probe into Russian interference. The President, he, Mr. Comey also admitted that there is no evidence that a single vote changed as a result of any Russian interference. Mr. Comey's testimony also makes clear that the President never sought to impede the investigation into attempted Russian interference in the 2016 election. And in fact, according to Mr. Comey, the President told Mr. Comey, quote, It would be good to find out, close quote, in that investigation if there was, quote, some satellite associates of his who did something wrong, close quote. And he, President Trump, did not exclude anyone from that statement. Consistent with that statement, the President never, in form or substance, directed or suggested that Mr. Comey stop investigating anyone, including the President never suggested that Mr. Comey, quote, let Flynn go, close quote. As the President publicly stated the next day, he did say to Mr. Comey, quote, General Flynn is a good guy. He has been through a lot, close quote. And also, quote, asked how General Flynn is doing, close quote. Admiral Rogers testified today that the president never, quote, directed him to do anything illegal, immoral, unethical, or inappropriate, close quote, and never, never, quote, pressured him to do so, close quote. Director Coates said the same thing. The President, likewise, never pressured Mr. Comey. The President also never told Mr. Comey, quote, I need loyalty, I expect loyalty, close quote. He never said it in form, and he never said it in substance. Of course, the office of the President is entitled to expect loyalty from those who are serving the administration. And from before this, President and from before this president took office to this day, it is overwhelmingly clear that there have been and continue to be those in government who are actively attempting to undermine this administration with selective and illegal leaks of classified information and privileged communications. Mr. Comey has now admitted that he is one of these leakers. Today, Mr. Comey admitted that he unilaterally and surreptitiously made unauthorized disclosures to the press of privileged communications with the President. The leaks of this privileged information began no later than March 2017, when friends of Mr. Comey have stated that he disclosed to them the conversations that he had with the President during their January 27, 2017 dinner and February 14, 2017 White House meeting. Today, Mr. Comey admitted that he leaked to friends of his purported memos of those privileged communications, one of which, he testified, was classified. Mr. Comey also testified That immediately after he was terminated, he authorized his friends to leak the contents of those memos to the press in order to, in Mr. Comey's words, quote, prompt the appointment of a special counsel, close quote. Although Mr. Comey testified that he only leaked the memos in response to a tweet, the public record reveals that the New York Times was quoting from those memos the day before the referenced tweet, which belies Mr. Comey's excuse for this unauthorized disclosure of privileged information and appears to be entirely retaliatory. We will leave it to the appropriate authorities to determine whether these leaks should be investigated along with all the others that are being investigated. In sum, it is now established that the President was not being investigated for colluding with or attempting to obstruct any investigation. As the committee pointed out today, these important facts for the country to know are virtually the only facts that have not been leaked during the course of these events. As he said yesterday, the President feels completely vindicated and is eager to continue moving forward with his agenda with the business of this country and with this public cloud removed, thank you.
0: Which you know, or
18: is
1: blinking for help with his eyes?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I think the steel. I think you you you'd be foolish not to treat the steel dossier like it's a totally true document at this point. Mm. I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But. Well, I mean, <laughs>
0: I'm <laughs> sorry we may have to we have to cut this section a little bit in the final, but um, I'm trying to think where to go next <laughs> <laughs> Talk about but, uh,
1: There's just so like, much it's like a swarm of
0: bees. <laughs> oh so, um what about which one is, is it Uday or Kuse, Trump? Said that Democrats are not people the other day.
1: I don't know. Was it the one that stole from kids with cancer or something?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what really matters anymore? <laughs> <laughs>
10: Welcome back to Hannity. So, with the Destroy Trump media floating baseless Russia conspiracy theories every second of every day and of course Democrats on Capitol Hill desperately searching for any evidence of collusion. Oh, President Trump's sons, they are now coming to his defense and they're speaking out with Eric Trump now calling the Russia probe quote. The greatest hoax of all time, joining us now, the man himself, executive, vice president of the Trump Organization, Eric Trump. How are you? Hey, Sean. How are you? Don't you you wish you went to
4: Washington so you could be dealing with this every second of every day? You know what? I've I've never seen hatred like this. I mean, to me, they're not even people. It's it's so, so sad. I mean, morality's just gone. Um, Morals have flown out the window. We deserve so much better than this as a country. You know, it's so sad. You see the Democratic Party. They're imploding. They're imploding. They have no message. You see the head of the DNC who was a total whack job. There's no leadership there. And so what do they do? They become obstructionists because they have no message of their own. They have no solid candidates of their own. They lost the election that they should have won because they spent seven times the amount of money that my father spent. They have no message. So what do they try and do? They try and obstruct a great man. They try and obstruct his family. They come after us. Viciously, Eric. I got to tell it's truly horrible.
10: I actually would use the term with Kathy Griffin and a CNN anchor calling your father uh, a piece of sh. All right, and a conspiracy theory that every intelligence officer and top Democrats have all said there's no evidence of, and thousands of hours of coverage. But they've gone after your 11-year-old brother, they've gone after your soon-to-be-born child, they've gone after you, which is fine, Don, you guys probably have more fair game, but really your sister, and really the first lady, and really Kellyanne, and anybody that seems to like your father, they want to, I say they want to delegitimize his presidency. They want to stop his agenda, and if they can, they want to impeach him. Yeah.
4: Who are all in this, by the way, for the right reason. I mean, I, I, look at that POS comment that you made. All right, somebody on CNN, an anchor on CNN, called my father on the show a piece of. That's right. right. You, you might be you might be an opinionated person, but you don't use profanities. You don't. You're not a child when it when it comes to calling people names. I mean, I got attacked today. I have raised 16.3 million dollars. For Saint Jude, 16.3. I've dedicated by the my, age of what? By the you I, I started when I was 21. I raised 16.3 million dollars for the greatest hospital in the world at Saint Jude, and I get attacked for it. Barron gets attacked. People come out. They look at my wife. Well, I hope she, you know, I hope the kid is aborted because God forbid there's another Trump in the world. I mean, the manners, the the the, the lack of morals in society is awful. And honestly, I blame most of these politicians. And I blame the media because it's out of control. I mean, the way they act are out of control. And honestly, it's because the Democratic Party is sinking. And I mean that sincerely. They don't have a message. They don't have leadership. So they obstruct. And it's just, it's really the worst of the worst, Sean.
10: I really feel your outrage because I'm here reporting it, reading it, seeing it every night. I think your criticism is dead on accurate. I said journalism is dead. It's It's dead dead and buried, and it's horrible. Um, you know, look at the, what is your reaction to the Russia collusion? Theory with no evidence, Clapper, no evidence, Admiral Rogers, no evidence, Comey, Brennan, no evidence, Feinstein, Maxine Waters, uh, Manchin, uh, Warner, it just, no, no evidence, thousands of hours How of How about coverage. myself?
4: How about Don? Right? How about the whole family, who is by his side every single day? Every single day we were sitting there fighting. We had a very, very small team. I've said it from the beginning. We don't have projects in Russia. We don't have the loans from russia i've said this a thousand times we had no involvement in russia but there's no other narrative they don't they don't have the voice of the american people they don't have things that make sense for this country they did a terrible job with with jobs they lost industry they lost the economy i mean look look at the stock market right now under my father since election day the stock market is up fifteen percent i mean fifteen percent since election day Consumer confidence is, is, is at an all-time high. America is back. You see how he's treated when he goes over to the Middle East. Versus Obama when he came off Air Force One, they wouldn't even bring a set of stairs up to the plane. That's how little respect they had for this nation. And honestly, it scares the other side, Sean. It scares the other party. How
10: bad Do you worry this goes even further? Yeah. Because I, I actually think that it was such a shock and trauma to their system because nobody saw it coming because they were so biased and even the media colluding with the Clinton campaign I don't know where this ends this is now we set a new low Kathy Griffin for
4: example if they're willing to, your 11 year old brother saw this right If they're willing to attack 11 year old boy if they're willing to attack a 22 year old girl going off to law school meaning Tiffany right. if they're able to attack my wife And an unborn child first lady if if they're able to attack the first lady if they're able to attack somebody who's raised sixteen point three million dollars for dying children his sister it is truly truly sick and my father's a great man and he's going to do a great job for this country but honestly we need to bring some principle back we have to bring some manners back we need to bring some respect back um it's sad he's going to do a great job for this nation i mean he's really he already has done a great job I think i the and only person that sh- ever
10: reports a success or the things he's accomplished and the promises he's kept. I- they,
4: would, they would rather see him. They would rather see him fail than have America succeed. And I've said that a million times, and I really believe that that's the ugliness of Washington, D.C.
10: I can totally understand the passion that you're showing. Eric, great to see hey, you. Thanks for being with us. Congratulations Thanks. on the baby, too. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> was it was it Vampire Eric, or was it <laughs> was it DJ?
0: Don,
10: Don Jr., yeah. yeah.
0: I don't know. No, it, it was, in a way, it doesn't matter. But, you know, Republicans got their panties in such a twist about Hillary Clinton calling them a basket of the <laughs> Now, the president's own son is saying Democrats aren't people. They're not even human beings. <laughs> Like literally dehumanizing us. Yeah. Um, fuck this guy. So, you know, and fuck all this bullshit about we got to understand their feelings and respect their experience or whatever. You know, it doesn't, it's not a two way street. You know, and I, I think I've seen an article, I read an article a few months ago that was like, um, You know, everybody on news after the election was saying that, and even before the election, that we have to understand the angry, rural, white, lower class, working, poor Trump voter or something. But have those people made any effort to understand people Mm -hmm. who are not like them? Mm -mm. Hell no. They don't make any effort to understand gay people or trans people or black people or, you know, anybody who's though, a liberal people, people who live in an urban environment, people who have traveled outside of America extensively. They they make zero effort to understand that aspect. So, you know, it's again, it's like this. It's kind of like this. Um, there's a double, total double standard for liberals and conservatives in America. Like, we've got to make all the compromises for them, and they, they, you know, they won. They won the presidency, and they're still the most angry people you'll ever meet. <laughs> curious about Can you imagine yeah. if they had lost? Yeah, it would have been a damn civil war, part 2.0. <laughs> like, probably literally.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: they'll still see what happens if their boy gets impeached, but, uh,. I don't know. Yeah. So the but yeah, I mean, like that's another thing. Yeah, they, they're stealing from kids, cancer thing, which is not surprising. I mean, we've we've already seen that the charity in the Trump world means money laundering, basically, and uh, you know, a a good a good photo op for the Trump family. <laughs> that's all it means. They don't give a shit about kids with cancer. Mm-hmm. So. And uh, I'm glad to see, you know, continue to see that people are starting to realize that, you know, um, Ivanka Trump is not this, you know, left-wing bastion who's going to, you know, speak to Trump's better angels or whatever. She's a corrupt, you know, rich princess who's, you know, loves her dad, loves what her dad's done for in her in her life, and is going to support her dad, ultimately.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she had that big spread, though, in, what was it, People or Us Weekly or something, that was like, why I disagree
0: with my father, (laughs) and it's like, all right. Yeah, well, she's got to maintain her own brand. She's got to branch out a little bit from the family brand, just in case it gets too tarnished, but she's not going to meaningfully stand up to her dad, and she's not going to come out against him in public. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe she—well, okay, what it would—explain the article to me, because I haven't I haven't read that article enough. Maybe she did already come out against him in public a little bit, but I have a feeling it was not in a substantive way.
1: No, I mean—okay, so, I mean, the thing with Jared—and we can talk about Jared if you want— <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, that little punk's going to jail, too, yeah, he is.
1: He's gonna go with his criminal father, who ironically was put there by chris christie, um yeah. Anyway, so they're always portrayed as, like, the liberal saviors of America, and they're going to rein Trump in. But I haven't seen one iota of evidence that they have any influence over this guy. I mean, we were all supposed to pin our hopes on her for the, you know, staying in the Paris climate thing. And guess what? It didn't matter. He threw the script away, and he just was like, hey, let's dig some more coal. Yeehaw. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's. I mean, um yeah, those guys. They're not. They look like they look look like they're almost millennials, but they're not gonna. They're not gonna save this thing.
2: And, mm-hmm
0: you know, and they're perfectly content to be as corrupt as they've always been and continue to financially benefit
2: from this whole, Yeah. Issue.
1: Well, and not to mention the fact it. that the Kushner family has been all around Asia shopping, you know, visas, uh, through their connections yeah. and all that. Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. all happening on buy the side.
3: Our, yeah. Buy our million dollar
0: apartment and we'll make you an American mm-hmm. citizen. How about that?
1: Yeah. Wink, wink, nod, nod. It's all, you know, that's It's, it's, it's a pretty yeah. clear path to get where they want to go. Uh, Uh, you just go through us and this is exactly what happens in third world countries it's always the family
0: you have to go through yep yep it's i mean it's you know that's, that's a huge thing like as a history major former history major and stuff and like somebody who appreciates history it's just so frustrating to see people who don't they just can't conceptualize that the same kind of things can happen in america and they do happen sometimes in America, and they are happening in America. And so they could be staring, you know, banana republic level corruption or you know, fascististic rising situations. They could, those, those things could be staring them in the face, and they'll be like, "No, it's it's different. We're a democracy. We love freedom." You know, all these kind of things that we we tell ourselves. But they, they they don't, you know. Republicans love this idea of American exceptionalism, but that doesn't mean like America is exceptional and special in some ways, but that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean what they think it means. It means that the same things that have happened in other countries can and will and have and could happen in America, but they fundamentally don't believe that they don't believe that a Hitler figure could ever come to America. They don't believe that, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know who's a banana Republic dictator. We could, name that would you know be comparable to what's
2: going on now I uh, don't Ju- have
1: that
0: Hugo Chavez <laughs> okay yeah they all hate him but um <laughs> yeah. but like they, they, they just can't because they they be because they just disagree with the Samaritan well say, I mean the Castros like let's just say the Castros <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think like well, I mean and the Castros are a little bit different because they actually re- led a you know a revolution mm-hmm. they were you know, they were fighting in the mountains of their country and stuff. Right,
1: but I mean, they did, they did in certain ways become very corrupt once they became in power.
2: Yeah.
0: So so I think the fact that these people who just say American exceptionalism, I believe in it, it's true. It's like they don't understand what they're talking about. And it, the fact that they don't understand it blinds them to the fact that... Something could, something could be going on right in front of their faces, and they and they will misidentify it. They will mm-hmm. miss the signs of what it actually is. And again, like, I mean, if you'd asked them during the campaign, do you think that the uh, Trump kids will use their dad's position to benefit their businesses? And they said, no, 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 no. They said they're going to keep it all separate, and we believe them. And now they've done it, and you come back to them and say, well, they did it you're wrong oh, oh no no it doesn't matter uh, they didn't really do that or you know I, I don't even know what the excuse would be at Oh,
1: uh, there, there really is no excuse but, but they're doing it anyway and uh, the DOJ just today announced that uh, they're defending in court a, uh, um, a lawsuit brought by the former ethics lawyers for George W. Bush and Bar- uh, Barack Obama collectively um, Richard Painter and um, Lincoln on the other guy's name but anyway um They uh, are responding and saying they can, you know, the executive branch can take payments from foreign entities. What of it? There's no case law saying we can't. And it's basically like, it's only because we've never seen this level of corruption before that there's no case law to support What's happening? You see what I'm saying? Like, like no one's ever even tried to do the things that are happening now. They're like, well, if it's if it's against the law, make a law about it. It's like it's like, well, no one's ever thought to make a law about certain things. <laughs> it's just always been you don't do yeah. that. And and I guess I guess what we're learning from all this is we have to say out loud you can't do certain things and and mean it and make you know certain constraints that apparently aren't there at all right now.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, the level of corruption is,
3: uh, well, and I think another problem
0: is just this, to some degree, it's a Republican idea, although it may be somewhat bipartisan. I think that there's this this idea that if the president does anything, then it, by definition, is no longer illegal, which is a laughable idea. It's a ridiculous idea. And I don't know, I uh, I just think, like, I mean, everybody, probably Democrats and Republicans, needs to get back to this, I don't know, this this idea that the, I don't know, you know, the, the government should be scared of the people, the people shouldn't be scared of the government. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, some like some sort of a uh, clearly part of the founding idea. The, the founding idea... The Founding Fathers, would have; they're spinning in their graves to see what Trump does these days, you know? Mm-hmm. And everybody who knows that. I mean, they were not excited to have this kind of a corrupt individual working with foreign powers, seeking more and more authoritarian power for himself. This is the antithesis of everything that the Founding Fathers wanted. But people say, well, I love the Founding Fathers, and I love freedom, and I love America, and Trump's a great president. It's like uh, that. All can't be true. You are misunderstanding something. Somewhere along there, you're you're lying. So you're lying to yourself. So, yeah. Um, one other one other direction we could go here today is like uh, Middle East. Mm-hmm. Trump just did his Saudi Arabia, his Israel trip, or whatever. Um, thoughts. Well, he touched the orb. <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, like, it's it's it's. All right, let's, let's like just a,
1: can we can we just pause for a second and consider. Let's just consider. We'll close our eyes and open our minds real wide and consider what would happen. Let's say Hillary Clinton had won, and let's say she went to Saudi Arabia and she touched a glowing orb with a bunch of Saudis. Yeah.
10: What do you think Alex American Jones American. would have
1: to say? And furthermore, all right, yeah. let's let's let's. The globalists,
0: the globalists are giving her more power, she can kill more people now. Yeah, exactly. Fosters all over the place. Yeah. I'm worried about myself. <laughs> drink more, drink more, uh, male juice, vitality sauce, protect <laughs> myself from Hillary. Hillary's a killer. You'll be allergic to shirts. <laughs> yeah, this is all part of the globalist reptile. Yeah, gay frogs gay frogs in the water supply <laughs> and she has that power the Saudis gave her that power the trilateral commission the uh, new world order yes, they're yeah. putting the project epsilon into effect that's what that. That's what we saw at that, that meeting I knew it was going to happen I told you at the, we reported it all over the place I've got the document you can see it <laughs> Yeah, we can, I can only imagine. Yeah. If anybody else had touched the, I mean, the thing is like, it looks like a comic book action movie villain. Yeah. It's a a comic book action movie villain thing to do. You go there with some shady Saudi and Egyptian presidents and Kings and you touch a glowing orb in a dark room. You look like you're like channeling the energies or something. Uh, Yeah. Ultimate power. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, It's evil. It looks evil. It's the definition of what evil looks like. (laughs) Yeah, and and,
1: and this coming from the guy that snuck into Bohemian Grove and, and found all sorts of sinister connotations with that yeah and and I, do I you have involved. no respect for the symbolism here <laughs> like and he put out an article on Infowars that was
0: like Trump touched a glowing orb everyone lost their minds <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah right okay yeah this, this is like the I mean I don't know I, I, that also I the, the other
1: the other thing I was going to say I just just want to throw that out there um, Jerry Kushner uh, maybe had that meeting with the Russian banker along with Kislyak they didn't report on the security forms um, uh, <laughs> about uh, his property on 666 5th uh, Avenue or whatever uh, can you imagine if if, uh, if Chelsea's husband owned a building on 666 fifth Avenue and, and Hillary went touch an orb I mean let's just let's just consider
2: <laughs> well, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, they don't share our values. <laughs> in the West. That's that. That's the least I can say. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I was really looking forward to see what what um, what Alex James's take on the the orb touching was, and I didn't really see what he what he had said. Did he? So he he didn't go like this is globalism or anything. He didn't feel betrayed by Trump at all or anything like that. Oh kind of no, watched. no. Uh, well, he's never
1: he's never going to because he's a trusted advisor. It's just it's just staggering to me that uh, that he could be so blind. His own, you know. I I he I thought. He his radar of all people's would be attuned to the orb.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If he, I mean, if he had, you know, if he had responded in the way we would have expected him to respond to anybody touching an orb with the Saudis. Um, And I mean, when he, when he charged onto the, at the RNC convention or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, last year, when he charged onto the TYT, the Young Turks uh, set, and he was yelling at them about things, one of the things he was yelling at them about was their support of Saudi Arabia, which they don't support Saudi Arabia. They've been very critical of Saudi Arabia on their show many times. Mm-hmm. But now Trump is over there playing patty cakes and doing, you know, sword war dances on Yemen with the Saudis. And he's like, nothing wrong here. Nothing wrong. He's a, you know, whatever he says, I, I it's, yeah. Again, I mean, if we're going to sit here and point out right wing and, conspiracy theorist uh hypocrisy we're going to be here all day it doesn't matter so um what about Donald Trump has made a mess in the middle east
1: well i mean he's he's made a mess uh in the space of hours because Rex Tillerson uh our esteemed Secretary of state um, apparently only has the job because his wife told him to take it um, <laughs> uh, he said that you know one one thing about Qatar. And then Trump said a completely opposite thing, all in the space of a few hours. Um, And the ambassador to America from Qatar had to send a Twitter message openly just being like, we would like to talk and negotiate (laughs) because they can't communicate and they don't know what our policy is. Uh, It's complete incoherence. Um, I did I, of all the we're going back to Trump's trip a little bit one of the one of the most satisfying moments was uh, seeing Steve Bannon uh, in a sea of of, of Muslims um, that was mm-hmm. that was pretty satisfying and, and uh, Trump apparently seated him next to I mean I gotta give Trump credit he, he knows he knows how to like um, needle people when he has to he sat him next to the founder of Wahhabism in Saudi Arabia um, during the ceremony and, and that was was a pretty uncomfortable experience from the looks of it for Steve Bannon
0: um, yeah is the, I mean is the founder of Wahhabism still alive
1: he's pretty I old but it. I think I, I I could be wrong about that but I think that was him
0: so. I, I, I would have to like the the book The Looming Tower mm-hmm. something like that I forget who wrote it uh,
1: Lawrence was- uh, yeah he wrote a book about Scientology I read
0: Okay. Actually, hold on. I've I've got the book in my house here. It's under some other books. But okay. Yeah, Lawrence Wright, Looming Tower, Al Qaeda, and the Road to Nine Eleven.
1: Yeah, the, the book he wrote about Scientology 9/11. was Going Clear. You should read it.
0: But I, I want to read the Looming Tower. Yeah, it's a great it's a great book. It should be made into a movie someday, probably, because he, in you know, it's entirely nonfiction, but he details a guy who was tracking osama bin laden he was aware of the unique threat that osama bin laden posed but he had his office happened to be in the tower and he was killed on 9-11 and so there was this thing where these guys are kind of playing cat and mouse and this guy's kind of pursuing bin laden around the world and then bin laden just strikes and kills him and so there was in this I mean there were all kinds of parallels between these two guys. And so it's it's a nonfiction book but it has it has this great story in it. But in the beginning of the book, I remember it's a long book. It's like what is it? It's like five hundred pages or so. But the first several chapters are talking about the history of Wahhabism and the history of this kind of thing. And there was a guy he had come to America and he'd been somewhat westernized. He'd been in American society. He was a Saudi guy. But he went back to Saudi Arabia, and he kind of rejected everything that he'd experienced in America. And he said that that was wrong, and that you know, Islamic society should shield itself from that and define itself to some degree in opposition to that. And so that's, and I'm pretty sure that that guy's dead because he was in America in like the 30s or 40s or something. I want to say it's been it's been a decade since I read the book. I've been meaning to reread it, but I'm so busy. But so I, I'll I'll have to look into that more. I mean I'm sure that the person Bannon was seated next to. And to be fair to Steve Bannon, which I feel know compunction is do, but I would be very. I mean there are Muslims that I'd be very comfortable to sit next to. Saudi Arabians, not some of them. You know, I would not be comfortable in Saudi Arabia.
1: Yes, but you're, you're not, like, a, a prejudiced person in the way that Steve Bannon is. So, you know, any any normal person would feel out of their element if they were around somebody they weren't like. You know, that's just normal to feel as a human being. But, like, he actively works against other people that aren't like him. So I think that's why yeah. it's satisfying.
3: Yeah, that's, well,
0: I guess that's the power of the presidency. You can... You know, it's kind of like in, in Mortal Kombat, the movie. You know, Shang Tsung. He's like uh, you know Sub Zero and Scorpion. They were mortal enemies in life, but under my power, they work together. <laughs> it's kind of like that, right? <clears throat> I don't know. That's a strange metaphor, perhaps. But, but okay, so let's kind of go through what he did in in the, in the Middle East. Number one, I mean, I think the war, the war on Yemen. It's kind of a disaster. I think it's. I don't think it's a good thing. I mean, I think Yemen is one of the poorest countries in the in the region. Um, I don't think that the American people have ever been correctly explained why they were at war with them. The Houthi rebels who took over the country, or whatever, supposedly have Iranian backing, but I think that that's been exaggerated to some degree from what I've heard. Um, I don't know. I mean, broadly, it's part of this kind of this like this Saudi Sunni and Shia thing where we're we're backing the Sunnis pretty much across the Middle East, and um, so, anyways, from what I understand, Qatar was or Qatar, however you pronounce it. I've heard people. i have always said Qatar, but some people say Qatar.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they're part of the war. They're part of the coalition that's at war in Yemen. So I was surprised that, but apparently, like, from what I understand, from what I've gleaned from numerous articles I've read, trying to understand why Saudi Arabia and Bahrain and Egypt and all these other countries in the Middle East suddenly just, like, cut off diplomatic relations and ended flights to the country and all this crap. And, And from what I understand, like, the leaders of Qatar are nominally, like, they're supposed to be in between Saudi Arabia and Iran, kind of like a negotiator between them or something, but like, they they never usually come out and say it, but they actually they seem to be slightly more sympathetic to Iran. And I, I think, like, somebody high up in their government, maybe their leader or whatever, had said something publicly that upset the Saudis or something because it seemed to be leaning more towards Iran or something, and that seems to be the issue.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, like, I mean, like, Trump taking credit for this thing he like I, at first like I think I commented on a BBC article somewhere on it like, what, what is this and what's going on we're not getting the full story what the hell's going on then a couple of days ago Trump's like put out a tweet like uh, yeah I, I told the I told the Saudis and everybody to like crack down on countries that do this thing with terrorists or whatever support terrorists he's completely oblivious that you know 15 of the 19 hijackers on 9/11 were Saudi well, he's you know,
1: also completely oblivious to the fact that we have uh, troops Stationed or a base, or you know, we have some military. A large base. Yeah, a large base in Cutter. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't even know that. Yeah. He doesn't care. <laughs> he's just he's saying things.
0: Yeah, and and I and I feel like, and I could be wrong. Maybe I'm misreading the tea leaves or whatever. But it feels like that there is a there's an uptick lately in the Sunni and Shia thing. I mean, like uh, the the terrorism we just had in Iran where somebody went into the, what is it, the uh, um, uh, Khomeini, what's his name? Ayatollah Khomeini's, is that right? Yeah. Um, Set up a suicide bomb, and then somebody else, some other people went into the parliament. And from what I understand, in Iran, there is 10% Sunni minority, and it seems like all the terrorists there came from within the Sunni minority. Um, ISIS claimed responsibility, (laughs) But Donald Trump goes out and tweets and says, well, you know, sympathy for the Iranian people or whatever, but, uh, you know, basically, if you you support terrorism, this kind of thing could happen to your country, too. So there.
2: (laughs) I mean, he's he's sorry,
0: not sorry, right? Um, And I, I wonder, I wonder, I really wonder if that was an ISIS thing or if I wonder if that was a Saudi Arabian thing. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, you know, I wonder, frankly, to what degree are the Saudis against ISIS? I mean, how, you know... Uh, I'd be very curious to know more about that. What's the relationship? What's the attitude between ISIS and uh, Saudi Arabia?
1: Well, it's interesting that you say that because I've heard one of the justifications for the crackdown on Qatar or Qatar. I I, don't, I, well, I like Qatar a little better. I don't know. Cutter sounds like Cutter. I mean Cutter.
0: That could be many things. It could be a, like a ship or you know. I don't know various things. <laughs> but um, maybe I know.
11: Hello.
2: Hey.
0: Hey. Yeah, we got cut off again. That's weird.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: I I I feel like I say more like triggering words probably for the programs that they set up to monitor this stuff
0: than they can handle. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. uh Oh. He's talking about the the Saudi ISIS connection. (laughs) Cut them off. off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I, Bob, again, I'm very curious to see, to hear the listing numbers where our listenership for this episode comes from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little curious, a little bit terrified. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so, yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think that there's something going on more and more with, I don't know if it's ISIS or Saudi Arabia or Iran or Qatar or, you know, whatever. Mm. But, you know, when Trump says that, when Trump says that all the Middle Eastern nations told him that, that Qatar, Qatar uh, supports terrorism, Again, this is, we get back to this issue that's always been a problem, which is, what, what do you mean by terrorism, right? Like, I mean, like, uh, Hamas is a terrorist organization, but they're not, like, I mean, they're not going to show up in America's doorstep someday, and they're not going to get into Iraq, necessarily. I mean, like, that's a that's part of a local, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and stuff. If we're talking about that kind of terrorism, I mean, that's not like, you know, I think, like... When, when somebody says terrorism, we always assume the worst possible thing that's the most direct threat to us, like Al-Qaeda it used to be. If you said terrorism, it meant Al-Qaeda, but it could be like, well, they supported Hamas and the Palestinian territories, and so, uh, you know, uh, it's I don't know. It's one of those slippery slope things where the meaning can change and stuff. So I have a feeling that they said that they're supporting terrorism and Trump didn't really understand what that meant or, you know, how we work with different countries around the world who do support terrorism. And I, you know, and I don't know. I mean, like the people that we were supporting, the Free Syria Army or whatever, a couple of years ago, or the people that are people. You know, our, our allies were supporting various groups in there. And, like, you remember there was a video one time where this guy had cut out an ISIS soldier or, a, no, no, maybe not even an ISIS soldier, but he cut out a one of Assad's, uh, Bashar al assad soldiers' heart, and he ate the heart raw huh. on video. And that was one of our guys. And that was a big moment where it was like, holy shit, what are we supporting over there? And so, like, when you talk about terrorism, like, it's like, what do you mean? And, I mean, there are different degrees and there are different, like, people People have different interests that overlap at times. And so just to say that Qatar was supporting terrorists, well, the fact that we have our largest air base in the region in Qatar means that, like, well, okay, this is not, you know, it it just could mean something different than what the worst possible interpretation of that might be. So I have a feeling Trump might have gotten bamboozled a little bit by the Middle Eastern nations there. I also loved it when he went to Israel and he said, hey, I just, I just came in from the Middle East. <laughs> good to be here. The Secretary of State has
6: uh, done an incredible job. We just got back from the Middle East. We just got back to Saudi Arabia and uh, uh, we were treated incredibly well. And there's tremendous, well, really good feeling. Toward Israel.
1: But not only that, he was like, I never said Israel. I never disclosed where I got this wonderful, special, beautiful information from. Okay.
2: Thank, you, Thank
8: you, guys. Just so you understand.
16: Just so you
2: understand.
6: I never mentioned the word or the name Israel. Never mentioned it during that conversation. And we're all saying I did. So you had another story wrong. Never mentioned the word Israel.
16: How's the visit so far? Mr. Black, guys. Thank you. you.
0: Yeah, well, Benjamin Netanyahu, he looked hmm. uncomfortable. Good. Benj- Benjamin Netanyahu had his fingers on the scale, you know, in the election. He was very clear that he didn't like Obama, and he really looked forward to working with Trump. Well, there he is, man. You get what you pay for. There you go. You got Trump, and he's going to blow up your spot, and he's going he's gonna to out your, your sources in ISIS-held territory, and, you know, he's going to make you look like a fool. That's what you get. So I don't know. Yeah, the I mean, obviously the whole Middle East thing. And then he also bragged about selling, like, what, $10 a billion, $100 billion worth of weapons to Saudi Arabia. And mm-hmm. then, like, a week later, it comes out, oh, no, most of those deals were uh, already finalized under Obama, or they were just, like, statements of intent to buy weapons. They were not actually signed contracts
2: yet. Mm-hmm. And
0: so it's kind of like he's, he's trying to take credit for this massive thing that he didn't. I mean, number one, it would be terrible if he did it. It's prob- it's problematic that Obama might have done some of that. I don't think we should be selling any more weapons to Saudi mm. Arabia, especially while they're at war with uh, Yemen, which, you know, America seems to be involved in that too, which I don't think I approve of and I don't fully understand. Maybe there's something we're missing, maybe whatever. But it hasn't been adequately explained to us. I think that's the least you can say.
2: mm well,
1: I mean, uh, Trump is the king of taking credit for things that either someone else did or something that is never going to happen. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but it was a major campaign point during the uh, throes of his final uh, beatdown of Ted Cruz and John Kasich. Um, he uh, went to the carrier uh air conditioning plant in in, in indiana yeah yeah and he was like we're saving the jobs and now mm-hmm. it turns out you know after the fact oh wait almost all of those jobs the vast majority are still leaving um <laughs> it doesn't matter i mean he just he wants to be able to be like
0: big win yep. big league truth yep. <laughs> he, he got their votes when it mattered mm-hmm. he got the photo op when it mattered And now, you know, forget about it. Who cares what happened six months later, Mm -hmm. five months later? Mm -hmm. So, you know, disappointing. Again, you know, maybe certain people voted against their interests, didn't really know what they were doing. Trusted a man who should not have been trusted. (laughs) Obvious snake oil. Like, you have a picture in the dictionary of a snake oil salesman, (laughs) and it's going to be like Donald Trump. That people are still like, uh, well, he said he's going to do good for my job. He's going to bring back the coal and manufacturing jobs from outside in the
3: third world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good luck.
2: Yeah,
0: what do you
1: think of Paul Ryan uh, in his defense of Sharron mm-hmm. saying, um, "Hey, he's new at this. You know, he. He's
19: that's, new at this. I think that's, that's. I think people now realize why the president is so frustrated when the FBI director tells him on three different occasions he's not under investigation yet the speculation swirls around the political system that he is that's frustrating of course the president's frustrated and I think the American people now know why he was so frustrated because this speculation was allowed to swirl when he was being directly told by the FBI director he wasn't under investigation look as far as the 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 conversations and all of that um, I'm not going to speculate in any of this I, I would just add um, that, of course, there needs to be a degree of independence between DOJ, FBI, and a White House, and a line of communications established. The president's new at this. He's new to government. And so he probably wasn't steeped in the long-running protocols that established the relationships between DOJ, FBI, and White Houses. He's just new to this. And so I think um, it's what, what what I got out of that testimony is we now know why he was so frustrated when the FBI director told him three times there's, there's no investigation of him, yet that speculation was allowed to continue. So obviously we know now why he was frustrated.
0: He's knew it. This is not a reason. That's not a defense. That's that's grounds for further impeachment. not know what the hell he's doing. He's been bumbling blindly for five months. Get him out of there. Um, Donald, I mean, Paul Ryan's a spineless, sniveling little licking fiddle who's, uh, you know, he's, he's trying like hell to get some sort of a budget through or to get some sort of a uh, tax thing through or to get some sort of health uh, care repeal through. And once he gets any of those three things, I'm convinced that he'd be willing to let Trump go, probably, but. I don't know. I mean, Paul Ryan, if he was if he was really smart, what he would do is he would throw Trump under the bus, get him fired, and also invalidate Pence because he's part of the same administration and install himself as president, right? He'd be a hell of a lot harder to get rid of than those two. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, um, Pence is, yeah. as we've, I'm
1: sure, discussed before, is Pence is implicated in all of this because he was head of the
0: transition. And I, I think, and, and I think Comey, I think Comey mentioned that I, I'm not, I don't have it with me right now, but I think that Comey said something about Pence knew, mm-hmm. Pence knew that there were questions about,
2: about Flynn.
11: Mm-hmm. Vice President Pence was the head of the transition. To your knowledge, was he aware of the concerns about Michael Flynn prior to or during General Flynn's tenure as National Security Advisor?
8: I don't, you're asking, including up to the time when Flynn was uh, forced to resign? My understanding is that he was, and I'm trying to remember where I get that understanding from. I think from uh, Acting Attorney General Yates. And and another thing that's just so goddamn maddening about this is Obama warns you guys about Flynn.
2: He
0: specifically warned you about Flynn, but you guys are like, oh, Obama said that? Fuck Obama. We're going to put him in anyways. What do you think about that? Oh, no. no. We're in trouble now? How could we have possibly known?
2: Who could have known?
6: Now, I have to tell you, it's an unbelievably complex subject. Nobody knew that health care could be so complicated.
0: Thanks, Obama. <laughs> so, no, Obama warned you. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't trying to cripple your incoming administration. He was trying to help you, you thankless bastard. <laughs> and you did it anyways. And then you, when, when he got in trouble, you tried to say, well, um, of course we gave him clearance. I mean, Obama gave him clearance. No, Obama fired him and removed his clearance <laughs> after a certain point, after he did certain things. You guys took that as a badge of honor on the man. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm just. Uh, it's it's just exasperating to talk about the level of uh, stupidity, corruption. Uh, you know, uh, any any number of pretty much any negative adjective you know. They've they've exhibited it, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, blame Obama. Obama yeah. tried to get you the warning. So, mm-hmm. sorry. What? Uh, what's up? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just threw um. it away with my own bullshit. <laughs>
1: Um, it, it, it's just amazing to see the, uh, uh, Senate Republicans, uh, cling to their, uh, criticisms of, of Hillary Clinton all this time later. Um, it's just such a, being a dead horse, it's like it's not the issue anymore like even if every bad thing you ever said was about Hillary and Bill Clinton is true and they're nowhere near power right now they're they're off in yeah. the wood they're literally off the woods somewhere like who cares like like no one cares either deal with the present reality or or leave office like there's there's no other third way like it's like these people like it's so pathetic to have a boogeyman that can't even hurt you anymore
3: <laughs> mm-hmm
0: yeah but she still might kill you though
1: <laughs> well Anthony Weiner is living proof that that's not true
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, she, yeah they should have killed him years ago probably My, they yeah they should have
1: clipped if he was on the Sopranos it would have been like season one episode eight
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know yeah that's uh, he, he he finally they, I don't know Huma kept getting him second chances, and he kept screwing up. I watched a documentary about the the. Wiener. Yeah,
1: I, I saw that too, Weiner.
0: wiener. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty, I don't know what the word for it is. I mean, like, these are both, you know, consummate professional political insiders, mm-hmm. you know, in their element day-to-day, and then they, they just keep allowing the cameramen to follow them around after the lights falls apart in mm-hmm. front of their eyes. It's like, it's amazing that this was even made, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it speaks to their own vanity that they thought they could do this and pull it off because, you know, I don't blame, in the end, after watching that, I don't blame Huma or whatever for staying with him. I get it. She wants to make her marriage where She's got you know, children with the guy. Um, she doesn't want a broken home, necessarily. But, like, to push him back into the public spotlight and to push him back into public life so soon it just you know it it's inconceivable to me you know it's just like he's not ready obviously like if, if he was like joe Schmo and this happened again who cares but he's like he was probably going to be the mayor of new york city
0: yeah yeah well it's i mean but i think that that's one of the increasingly legitimate criticisms perhaps of the, the Clinton the whole Clinton thing. You know, that whole thing is this this kind of uh, what's the word? Like um kind of this, this need to climb, this need to always be ambitious. Um for no other reason than just being ambitious. It's like it's like this kind of inborn thing that they have about them. I mean themselves and Aberdeen and and uh Wiener mm-hmm. to some degree. And um uh, I don't know. I'm worried. I'm worried that the Democrats may not have learned a lesson this time with Hillary, and they may try to run her again, or they may try to, you know, if some funny thing happens where Trump gets impeached. or You know, frankly, what we should be doing, we should be following the South Korean example and having a another election, you know, and we should be hyper-vigilant for outside influence, and we should call it out when we find it. And you know we should just have another vote, and everybody should get in. The Republicans can bring their sixteen or seventeen or eighteen, however many candidates they want to bring. Democrats can bring Joe Biden or you know Bernie Sanders. If Bernie Sanders is not in there somewhere, I'm gonna throw a shit fit and probably vote for the Republicans. <laughs> because that's that's the that's the unlearned lesson for most republic for most Democrats is that Bernie Sanders would have wiped the floor with Donald Trump. And Hillary Clinton wouldn't. And that's just something we were right about and they were wrong about. And they, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Don't want to beat the dead horse, but yeah. Yeah. Well, at
1: at this point, I take Jeb. (laughs) (laughs) Low energy Jeb.
6: You know, you look at a guy like Jeb Bush. He's taking 100 low energy. He's taking 120 extremely low. Oh, I shouldn't say it. He's debating right now. Maybe he's doing great. He's probably looking for me. He's saying, has anyone seen Trump? Why? Where? Where is Trump? Where is? he? Where is he? Yeah.
0: Jeb. Jeb was. Uh, Jeb was imminently reasonable on certain issues. And uh, probably a terrible person who would have done damaging things. But I mean, it's it's depressing to the degree to which W's. Uh, Legacy has been.
1: He really has elevated to like JFK status uh, just by comparison.
0: Yeah, I mean, he said stupid things, but you knew what he meant. <laughs> With Donald Trump, it's, it's just constant bullshit lies, and you know it, he knows it. And it's stupid, and it's false, and it's, you know, I don't know. It's just its just, it's just a whole other level. I'm terrified to think who the Republicans will find to run in four years. <laughs> Cause it, it, it seems like they're on a downward trend, so... Mm. But yeah. So, anyways, I don't know. Yeah, the the, the middle east, um, the Comey thing. Oh, today I saw the news. Speaking of uh, testifying under oath at the uh, what the Senate, what was the Senate, uh, which 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 group were they testifying in front of?
1: Uh, are you talking about Coates and Rogers
0: and them? So well, who, yeah, whoever the senators were last night. Is this the God? I I, I would have. You know, I'm kind of blanking on it. This is why you know. This is why they'll never have us on NBC because we don't know everybody's specific job title and the committee they're on. <laughs> you know, but um, I was I'm not the Foreign Intelligence Committee. Uh, what the hell ever they, I don't know whatever committee this was. They asked Trump at, at a press conference, "Would you be willing to testify under oath to these same people?" He says, "Yes, Jim Comey's a liar, and I 100 percent would be willing to testify." I'm like, "Yes, yes, do it. Lock him in now. Get him signed up."
6: Who would like to ask? Should I take one of the killer networks Standing, that treat me so badly as fake news? S-R-O, Should I do that? Mr. President.
18: Uh-huh. Standing room, Mr. President.
6: Go ahead, John.
18: Thank you.
6: <laughs> be fair, John. Oh, absolutely. Oh, remember how um, nice
20: you used to be before I ran. Um, Such a nice man, always fair. Uh, Mr. President, um, I want to get back to James Comey's testimony. You suggested he didn't tell the truth in everything he said. Uh, he did say under oath. That you told him to let the Flynn, uh, you, you said you hoped the Flynn investigation, you could let he could I let didn't go. say that. So he lied about that.
6: Well, I didn't say that. I mean, I will tell you, I didn't say that. And,
20: and did he ask you to pledge his And there'd be nothing wrong if I did say it, according to everybody that I've read today, but I did not say that. And, and did he ask for a pledge of loyalty from you? That's another thing he said. No, he did not. So he said those things under oath. Would you be willing to speak under oath to uh, give your version of, of 100%. And I didn't say under oath.
6: I hardly know the man. I'm not going to say I want you to pledge allegiance. Who would do that? Who would ask a man to pledge allegiance under oath? I mean, think of it. I hardly know the man. It doesn't make sense. No, I didn't say that, and I didn't say the other.
20: So, if Robert Mueller wanted to speak with you about that, you I would, would be, be glad to, to him? tell him exactly what I just told you, Joe. And you seem to be hinting that there are recordings of those conversations. I'm not hinting
6: anything. I'll tell you about it over a very short period of time. What is that? Okay.
20: Okay. Do you have a question here? When, when, when will you tell us about the recording? over a fairly
6: short period of time? Tomorrow?
16: Now? Are there tapes, sir? Oh,
6: you're going to be very disappointed when you hear the
0: answer. Don't worry. Put him on the stand because this guy can't go two sentences without telling three lies. Mm-hmm. He'll be, he will be impeached for, you know, for perjury under oath or whatever. In two seconds. Like, they won't mm-hmm. they won't go five minutes into the thing before they're like, uh, you know, somebody's trapped him in a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and that was incredibly stupid of him to agree, of course, to testify under oath. I can't imagine that anybody else in the White House wants him to do that. I can't imagine that his foolish lawyer who agrees to continue to represent him do that. I mean, like, but he's like, yeah, 100% I will. Well, we'll see about that. We'll see I'm sure... And and I heard also that they've, like, subpoenaed the – they said if there are tapes, Mm -hmm. if tapes exist, by the 23rd, I believe, of this month, they need to be presented to that committee. And they said if you have tapes of your conversations with Jim Comey, we want them. And, you know, the court is ordering you to – or, you know, the committee is ordering you to present them. So Mm – moment of truth. We'll find out if he's really going to the Nixonian level with the taping of conversations or if he was just trying to bluff and intimidate Jim yeah. or James Comey not to not to testify. A, I wonder
1: if they exist. B I wonder if they did ever exist, if they still exist like if maybe they were gotten rid of um, somehow. Or, you know, it is kind of amazing if you uh, look at a retrospect of Watergate, how uh, Nixon hung on to those tapes for no reason, really. Like he thought maybe they would vindicate him or something. Um, but it, he, if he had just burned them before they requested them there's really nothing you can do they're his private property Um, Yeah. so I I think the gap between when they were created and now it offers ample time to like if they destroyed them now it would be a crime
2: yeah I I
0: just it's one of those things where I wish people would like um, I think like you know, with poor people or ordinary people, when there's a criminal investigation, they will snatch your computer up and take it and just say, no, there's evidence on here. We're going to take it or whatever. You know, you, you don't get a chance to hold on to this for any amount of time. But the Clinton thing, they asked her to turn over the emails, like 33,000 emails or whatever, however many she deleted. And it's like, why didn't you just seize them? Why did you ask her to turn them over voluntarily? Mm-hmm. Why did you do the delay like with these powerful people, rich and powerful and influential people you gotta it, there has to be one system of justice. It's like if you think that they have incriminating evidence, you gotta snatch it up and mm-hmm. lock it in. You can't give them several weeks or months to think about what they want to do with it before that you finally request it and uh, you know I don't know. Uh, a lot of frustrations, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I think Trump is digging himself into a variety of holes. And, uh, I hope that we get a president in there who's going to turn a lot of these, be able to turn a lot of these things around. I hope that the rest of the world understands that um, you know America's lost our way for some time here, but uh, we're going to get it back, and uh, hopefully we can start over somewhere close to where we left off before this maniac came in and. And set the whole place on fire. Mm-hmm. Well, well I, I don't know. Did yeah. you? Yeah. What were you gonna say? I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm. I, I think I've. We covered a lot. I don't know what else. Did you have any other?
1: <laughs> well, we could talk about the um, England and French elections.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like. Um, yeah I mean it seems like the guy in France is a good guy seems like that's going to work out well for them um, apparently
1: I, yeah. I heard that the reason that Trump eventually pulled out of the Paris thing was that he did that uh, handshake thing with Macron and like he totally rolled his knuckles and
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like that's my move this guy's doing my move
1: and he's like, like I'll show you
0: I'll ruin the planet <laughs> yeah yeah. what are you going to do if I pull out of your it, it's, par, it's, par, it's named Paris Paris so it must be oh, yours is that in France <laughs> yeah I don't call them french fries anymore I call them freedom fries <laughs> <That's> my choice <laughs> yeah. just my preference just the way I like to do things okay
1: and now yeah. he'll, he'll have the meatloaf have you heard that he orders the meatloaf for people to like show dominance
0: Oh yeah, he did that to Chris Christie, right? He
1: also did that I mean, to Comey apparently.
0: Yeah. I mean Chris Christie it doesn't matter if Chris Christie. That's that's a read anything you put in front of him, I'm sure, but uh no no fat shaming. I'm not trying to fat shame sorry, Chris Christie. Um but I mean, you know, I'm sure uh James Comey is a man of discriminating tastes. He probably wanted something a little bit more uh, substantive, right, for his dinner.
1: Trump's over there with two scoops of ice cream and his uh, steak with warm. the ketchup on it. Well done.
0: Yeah, I, I drink your milkshake. How about
1: that? Oh, we don't know what's in that milkshake. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: he's a he's a he's a bad man. <laughs> but um,
1: yeah, I don't know. There's probably not too much else to say. We we still have to do our Bill uh, uh, O'Reilly episode eventually, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if this is the time okay. for it.
0: Yeah, I sincerely apologize that we were not able to finish that book in time to really, you know, strike while the iron was hot when Bill O'Reilly was losing his job, basically, Mm -hmm. because that would have been a great time, I think, to get that episode out. That would have been very timely. But Mm -hmm. uh, we still have that on the back burner here. It's definitely, I mean, I've been working, like, my schedule's been crazy these days with finishing late at, like, 9.30 and starting early at 6.30, so I have to wake up at 5.30. And so kind of like anytime during the week, if it's like a matter of doing a phone call during the week, it's almost impossible mm-hmm. uh, these months. But, um, but um, I may be like I may be headed back to America in a couple months. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when. It might be the eighth month or it might be the ninth month. I need to sit down with my boss and set that up. But,
1: also, also known as August and September for for the lay people out there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. I, I don't count real good. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> also like because I'm in Korea like in Korea they say like Wall and Goo Wall just 8th month and ninth month they just have numbers it's down so,
2: down so down literal down.
0: yeah a lot of things are very literal in Korean language I think some things are very figurative we'll have to discuss that on the show sometime mm-hmm. they got some they got some really direct words like I don't know I'm trying to think of a good direct word that Koreans have like it's extremely blunt um uh, like I don't know. Let's see. God, I could normally think of this. Like uh, I don't know. Like I, I ask somebody. Like I'll ask. I'll say an English word, and I'll ask my students, "Okay, what is this word in Korean?" And they'll tell me, and I'll realize what the word is. And it's like it's exactly like just a literal. Like oh God, I can't. Damn it. Okay, well try. I'll try to write some of these things down, and like we'll <laughs> talk about them. But some things are also very like figurative and very artistically created. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean the Koreans. Okay, for example, you. I, I'm going to tell you. You may want to take this out of the final episode, or may not. I don't know. It's a little dirty. Okay, so uh, uh, spoiler warning. It's it's going to be dirty. Stop this episode now if you don't want to hear this.
1: I'm going to I'm going to put that at the beginning
0: of the episode. Just in general. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I get I get carried away with my anger. <laughs> okay, but but Koreans have a word for um, the phenomenon. They have a word for the phenomenon of the, during the hot summer months when your balls are sweaty. Mm. Okay, and they they call it fire egg.
2: Hmm, very fire descriptive. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. It paints a picture. So, <laughs> so again, that's the, that, that would be like an example of a little bit of a kind of a, a figurative an artistic uh, representation of something that in literal terms, you know, you might describe differently, but yeah. So like the fire egg is the, one of their words. Um, now I'm trying to think of like something else that they have, like, which is like uh Oh god, I don't know. Well, one, well, I'll
1: give you an example that I don't know the actual thing of, but uh, in French, uh, the uh, you know when you think of a good comeback after, way after the fact. Uh, and it's no yeah. longer useful. Uh, the French, in in their language, call that the curse of the stairway.
3: Hmm. Why is that?
1: Because you're on the stairway out of someone's home when you think of the good response.
0: Oh, okay, okay, I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, I, if there is something like that in Korean, I have no idea what it would be, yeah. though, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I'm probably suffering from that same... <laughs> <laughs> yeah after i after i hang up i'll be like oh right that that thing <laughs> oh yeah. you're
1: right the p-tape <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah gotcha.
0: okay what is um oh, and okay so let me think about it and if i see this is the thing where it's kind of like situational words right like if i were in the classroom and if you ask me to like, name some korean word that that had a very literal translation to English. I could probably tell you, but like, I'm not in the classroom. Right <laughs> uh, I'm shifted out of that Korean language mode a little bit. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Let's see. Um, like when you go to when you party on Friday night, when you go drinking on Friday night, they call that bull Kum means Friday and Bo mean bul means fire. So they call it Fire Friday. It's kind of like when you're done with the week and you go out partying on a Friday night. They call that Fire Friday. Mm -hmm. That might be like a more family-friendly example you could include. Okay.
1: All right. I'll I'll include that on the radio edit version. (laughs) Okay.
0: That'll be good. God, I hope my students don't listen to this (laughs) podcast. but hey it's your word it's it's as spicy said on snl it's your word i'm just using your word right? you said it <laughs> yeah you said it <laughs> so yeah. anyways um Let's see, I well I guess we better wrap up here. I gotta I gotta do a few things today, but um I'm thinking about music. Okay, I'm thinking about music. And for example, one one example I recently discovered, um that Sia is that her name? Mhm. The singer Sia, she used to be a member of the group Zero Seven.
2: Okay. No do you know this? No.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, like the waiting, the waiting line, um, back around like 2004, 2005, Mm -hmm. they had some really soulful kind of techno. I don't know what you'd even call it. Like what the genre Mm -hmm. is, but really just some nice mellow, like songs. The waiting line was one and the other one was, uh. I don't know. They they had a couple of great songs I liked a lot. And I had no idea that she was part of that, but she's doing something a little bit different now That's I think is also very good. I mean, that Chandelier is an epic song pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, uh, others, other music that I've recently kind of... Um, have you heard this song? And I forget, DJ Aki or something, I forget his name, Is called Second First Date. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that song? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much airplay it got in America, but it's a it's a pretty good mellow kind of like something you might hear in a, uh, a cafe. I heard that song back around 2009 or 2010, and I liked it at the time. But then I kind of forgot about it for several years, and then I heard it the other day, and so I started listening to that again. Um, I don't know. Um, what's what's her name? Um, R and B singer. I've been listening to you know hmm? Tony Braxton. I've been listening to some Tony Braxton lately. I think. Um, one song I also forgot about from university, but I rediscovered a few weeks ago was hit the freeway. Mm. Do you remember that at all? Who was it by? I want I, I, to no? Was it Tony Braxton? Damn it. Oh man. If I'm screwing this up, um, I want to say it was Tony Braxton, but I could be wrong about that now that I think about it. But yeah, hit the freeway. Uh, he wasn't man enough for me. Uh, what was that other song she did about, um, like uh, oh god, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> you can edit this. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up in my iPad because uh, I've I've got it in my iPad playlists. Um, Tony Braxton. I want to say Tony Braxton. Uh, let's see, music, history, songs. Uh, everything's so complicated now. Um. Yeah, Tony Braxton. Yeah, he wasn't man enough. Is a good one. Uh, Monifa, touch it. Hmm. Uh, Tony Braxton, you're making me high. Uh, Let's see. Nora Jones and Wax Poetic Angels. Uh, That was a nice song.
2: Hmm. Uh, Let's see.
0: Sorry, oh, there's an interesting song. My mom used to listen to uh, what's her name, Uh, Joni Mitchell. Are you familiar with Joni Mitchell? Um, she had a song in one of her albums called "The Windfall," which was a great song. With "The Windfall" uh, parentheses everything for nothing." That's kind of a good song. It's like apparently she got sued by one of her like domestic helpers or something and so she wrote a song about it or something about mm. how this woman was very greedy or something but it's a really interesting song it's a pretty cool song um, also like um, The Weeknd I mean this is a guy like I don't know he seems like the kind of singer I wouldn't really like but actually I pretty well like what he's doing basically mm-hmm. and he did like I think he did a he did his own version of one of the Sade songs mm-hmm. uh, I forget which one he's doing some interesting stuff have you heard uh, Childish Gambino's new stuff? I haven't. I've I've heard a little bit of his older stuff. I I heard he like might be retiring that that thing or whatever.
1: Well, he's definitely changed his uh, style. He's not really rapping quite as much as uh, you know, doing more of a Prince thing.
2: Hmm. Okay.
1: Um. You should look up this one song called Redbone. Um,
0: okay, I've heard about that. Yeah, now Redbone, I mean, that was the name of a band. They did a song like, um, come, what was it? Come Get Your Love or something? Or,
2: all right, that? that sounds right.
0: Yeah, this is a catchy song. Yeah, I, um, let's see. I've been listening to some Bobby Brown too, Every Little Step. Mm. Uh, I, I went through a 90s night the other day where I was playing some video game online. I was, you know, shooting everybody it was a first person shooter but I was just going through like a whole I did like um, Snap I've Got the Power Bobby Brown Every Little Step wow. Technotronic Get Up Before the Night is Over D Light Groove Is in the Heart Wow. Uh, I was going through a whole bunch of like that really early 90s R&B stuff I was having a real good time mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I listened to some uh, Kid Rock uh, (laughs) unironically recently.
0: I know. I I actually did that a few months ago, too. Like, about the time he went to the White House, I was so pissed at the guy. And I went back and listened to his song. I was like, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? I mean, your songs were of their time mm-hmm. so I would say? but there was something there I mean like musically artistically there was something I mean it was trashy but I mean that was kind of the you know a lot of things were trashy in Mitchell Indiana around 1999 <laughs> <laughs> that's what I try to explain to people <laughs> yeah it's like I mean if you were... hello oh hey Hey, yeah, sir, I don't know what the hell's going on tonight. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. We were talking about the Bobby Brown connection. It's <laughs> getting too close. <laughs> Poison. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was Bobby the bow, wasn't it? Wait.
1: <laughs> it was all it was all new jack swing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, God bless it. Whatever happened to that stuff? I think New Jack, New Jack Swing needs to have a comeback. <laughs> yeah, I got some boys to men in there. The water water runs dry. That was a, that was a very mature, almost like an adult contemporary esque uh, song. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah, the the this guy's name is DJ Aki, and the song is Second First Date. Teaching Rusa K. So uh, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> it's a catchy tune, very catchy tune. Um, there's some Chinese singer named Leah Duo. I'm not sure I'm spelling that right. She wrote a song, It's, like, it's Just What We Do or something. It's kind of a catchy song. I think I heard it in a commercial somewhere. Um, have, you, have you been watching the return of... Twin Peaks. Mm-mm.
1: I never saw the original Twin Peaks, except I think you tried to show oh me an episode.
0: Oh my god, dude! You've got to watch it. It's crazy. And like there was a there was a song at the end of the first the second episode that was amazing on there. Great mm-hmm. song. I don't know what it was called now. Um have you heard about uh, Big Bang? You know, Big Bang, K-pop, one of the mm-hmm, biggest K-pop mm-hmm, groups. Mm-hmm. One of their guys named Top, T-O-P, I forget, I don't know how you say it. He, he got in trouble for smoking marijuana.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then he's in the military service right now. Mm-hmm. And he's serving as like a police a police officer in Gangnam uh, branch of Gangnam style fame, mm. and so after that happened, like the stock price of his company that he's a part of, like tumbled like seven percent or something like that, four percent maybe. And then, like they found him unconscious in his house or something, he'd taken a bunch of pills or something, and so they took him mm. to the hospital, and like he didn't wake up. I'm not even sure if he's awake yet, mm. but it seems like he might have attempted suicide or something. So. Mm. Big Bang been all kinds of trouble um, <laughs> let's see uh, Sistar S, uh, S-I-S-T-A-R they had a song that was pretty good called Na Honja which means like I'm alone or alone that's a kind of a catchy little song mm-hmm. um, I listened to some Bonnie Raitt I mean do you know Bonnie Raitt at all yeah of course mm. Yeah, that was uh, something that, like, my parents used to listen to, like, probably in the late 80s, early 90s when we were driving around in the car. Bonnie Raitt, um who's the guy I'm thinking of? We went to his concert in high school. I, I was uh,
1: John Hyatt.
0: Yeah, John Hyatt. Sometimes I've been listening to some of his stuff. He's a, he's a funny guy, and, you know. Probably as a parent now, Bob, as a parent twice over, maybe you can uh, you can appreciate, for example, his song uh, "Like Your Dad Did." You ever hear that song? Yeah, just like your dad did. <laughs> it's a little on the nose, but yes. <laughs> that guy, he's got. All, all, I mean that that guy. He he makes nothing but hits <laughs> for my money. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I, I think I think we we deconstructed the the, the style of a, a normal John Hyatt song, right? And like you know, you you have the bridge and you have the bars or whatever. You have the uh, chorus, and then you have a part where he just screams at one point, just kind of like, right? like every song, right? It comes to a point about two thirds of the way through the song where he just yells. Yeah, yeah, pretty great guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've been listening to a variety of things. You know, early two thousands, early nineties, late eighties. I've been kind of going back through a lot of that. A little mm. bit of K-pop in there. Um, uh, new one of the newer K-pop groups is Mama Moo.
2: Mm.
0: I think they have one song by the group Mama Moo, which is called Mama Moo. It's kind of an interesting, kind of a hip hoppy style song. Uh-huh. Um, I think there's another guy named Zion something or something Zion or something over uh-huh. here. He's a pretty good kind of hip hop guy. I think honestly, I haven't been keeping up with the with it as much as I should have. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Lots of music, um, lots of music.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I was uh, listening to that uh, John Hyatt song. Uh, the Tiki bar is open
2: the other day. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's. I, I don't remember that song. I remember the title. I don't remember how it goes. But yeah, you know, there's one song I haven't been able to find anywhere. I can't find it on YouTube. I can't, you know, I can't discover where it's at anymore. If you can find it, do some research for it. It's a great song. It's called "The Wreck of the Barbie Ferrari." Oh, I know that one. Have you, have, yeah, that's a pretty good song. Mm-hmm. It's Pretty funny.
1: Yeah, the uh, the one I like, uh, the other one I was listening to was uh, Tennessee Plates.
0: Yep, yep. He's doing he's doing time in the prison making Tennessee
1: Plates. <laughs> it all comes back around.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, here I'm. I'm picking up this thing. Let me see. I've, I'm able to look at some songs that I've shazammed here that I liked. Oh, what was the, what was the, there's a there's an unabashed pop song that I actually kind of like. Um, called. I think it's called Work from Home. Do you know that song? Mm. Mm. I, it's like it's a bunch of like it's kind of like that. Uh, that T. Diddy sponsored the uh, the women's group. I forget what they were called. Even Hold Three L W. No, mm. uh, Nikki something or other. Shaden Florida. <laughs> <like. laughs> it, it was a oh, yeah. <laughs> That would be a great German girl, girl group shot in front. Yeah. No, her, no, her name was like a shirt singer or something like that. I forget the hell what her name
1: uh, Schlesinger?
0: Something like that, yeah. Um, okay, so what is it work from home, work from home. Hmm. So, like, um, like when it comes to music philosophy, like, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, back when you were in high school, I think I read somewhere that um, Marilyn Manson had gone up to Justin Timberlake and said, I really liked your new song. It's, like, so lovey-dovey, but it's got this creepy undertone that I really like. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. I think that that's, like, that's the, that's kind of a way that I appreciate some pop music is that even though it seems, like, benign and everything, it actually has, like, these really dark undertones. <laughs> okay, this is Fifth, Fifth Harmony, Work From Home, featuring Ty Dollar Sign, okay? Mm. And when you listen to it, it's a ridiculously pop song. Um, it's, it's just bizarre. It's just unabashed pop. But the lyrics, I don't know. The lyrics almost have some sort of a kind of a sub- subversive undertone. I think. Hmm. Uh, let me see what we got here. I'm trying to find the lyrics themselves. To yeah, she okay. So it's it, in a way, it's kind of a callback to a like a traditional marriage. I think she's she starts out. I ain't worried about nothing. I ain't wearing not, nada. I'm sitting pretty impatient, but I know you gotta put in the Oh, uh, oh, oh.
2: Yes, I knew that you time. know that. hmm
0: Yeah, I'm sending pick after pick. I'm gonna get you fired. So, you know, she's at home. She's just fulfilling the traditional home home you know, house homemaker role, but her her boyfriend or her husband's out working all the time and she's you know, she's missing him, I guess. Um I don't know. It, it, it's got a. It's got a very kind of like 1950s. Like, I don't need an explanation. Baby, you're the boss at home. I mean, this is like this is like traditional family values 101, I guess. But, uh, and then there's the chorus is, "You don't got to go to work, 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 but you got to put in work, work, work. You can work from home. Let my body do the work, work, work. It's like, I mean, it's 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 kind of this like this wish fulfillment that you didn't have to work, but you do. In, you know, in the modern economy and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Anyways, it's a it's a it's an it's an interesting song. I think that when you think about it, in the post you know two thousand eight financial collapse, has a kind of an interesting undertone from a from a I don't know a socialist perspective, perhaps. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm reading it too much into it, but <laughs> anyways, it's a, it's not a great song. It's it's catchy. Mm-hmm. It's poppy, but it's mm-hmm. not. I will be the first to admit it's a guilty pleasure. It's not a <laughs> it's not a. Uh, it's not a good song. It doesn't necessarily have a great message. but
2: Yeah, I, I uh,
1: find myself listening to the radio a lot in the car with uh, when I have the family there because, I, you know, when I'm by myself, I listen to whatever podcasts, but, you know, I don't think a two-year-old really cares about Terry Gross.
0: Um, so, <laughs> well, uh, never. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when I was a kid, like, we would go around, like, our parents would listen to the NPR all the time, and I think that that—I don't know at what age that started exactly, but uh, it—I think it probably made me a person who was interested in, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: whatever. I guess I was interested <laughs> in the news, what's going on yeah. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So let me see. What else do I got here, music-wise? <clears throat> um. Let's see. Carly Rae Jepsen has a new song called Body Language. I think I listened to it one time somewhere, and I shazammed it. I thought it was catchy, and I I didn't realize it was her. And Carly Rae Jepsen's uh, uh, song—what was the one she had that got popular years ago?
2: Hmm. I don't know.
0: Something about phone number, call, call, call me maybe. Mm. Call me maybe. That sounds familiar. Guilty, total guilty pleasure. And you can't find it anymore on YouTube or whatever. But somebody remixed it with Head Like a Hole by Nine Inch Nails, and it mm-hmm. worked perfectly. It was, uh, I think they, I think it was called Call Me a Hole. Hmm. And it was, a, it was a great mashup. So I know you had a guy on the podcast one time who did a mashup of various songs. So that might be an interesting one. Yeah. Let's see. Let me see if I can search it now. If it Sorry, I know this is, this may require extensive editing. Oh, okay, it seems to exist. Hold on, let me let me see if I can. Hold on, let me click on it and see if it plays. It's probably not gonna play. Oh well, the commercial sure as hell is gonna play. I think, you know, it's a beer commercial, in Korean. Anyways, I'm. So I'm 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 interested in the intersectionality of unabashed uh, pop music with dark, dark, dark metal and, you know, industrial music, I guess.
1: There's definitely a, a connection, you know. Um, I don't think they're that different,
0: really. Yeah, yeah, I think there's an interesting, yeah, something there, some sort of a through line. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I just I listen to things that I remember from a long time ago or I listen to whatever's on the radio, but I don't really know what it is right right now. Um, I hate to admit it. Like, I mean, what's, do you know that British guy? He's like a songwriter, Ed Sheehan or something like that? I've heard of him. I don't think I know any of his songs. Yeah, I don't really know his music either, but apparently he was like a big thing or something in America that I kind of missed. But he wrote a song... Which I was impressed by the lyricism of it, but I was disgusted by the singer of it, which is Justin Bieber.
2: Mm.
0: And the song was uh, something like, My Mom Don't Like You, My Mom Likes Everybody, or something like that, or Love Yourself. I think that's what it was called, which is basically, you know, cutesy, Christian, Justin bieber way of saying fuck yourself. <laughs> But, um, but it was a, it was a catchy, like the lyrics were interesting. Like the chorus is like, my mom don't, my mama don't like you and my mom likes everybody. So I think there's something wrong with you or something like hmm. that. It was, I mean, it was lyrically, it was interesting, the chorus at least, but Justin Bieber is a disaster as a human being. So, mm-hmm. um, what about, uh, what's your name? Um, Ariana Grande.
1: Yeah, she's had some good ones. Uh, I like that one song she had every day.
0: Okay, I don't know that one, maybe. Uh, it was with Future. I, okay, I'll check it out. But, um, like, I mean, she had... God, I hope you had half of this conversation out now, because it's just getting embarrassing. But, like, when I was back in America in 2014, like, that was the banger of the summer, was that one she had, uh, break Free, or whatever the hell it was. Oh, Yeah. Like it was ubiquitous on the radio and it, it kind of got, it got to you after a while. It was kind of like, it was catchy. It was funny, not funny, but it was just like ridiculous. It was danceable or whatever. If you're into that kind of thing, I don't know. So yeah, she had the, obviously she had the terrorism at her concert there a few weeks ago. Um, Hmm. and I think like Piers Morgan or something, he like, um, he called her out and said she was partly responsible. And then, like, everybody gave him shit. And a few days later, she came back and did a concert, and she hugged the victims who survived it and stuff. And, like, he's like, I'm so sorry. I utterly misjudged this young lady. She's great. But, yeah, I don't know. thanks, Pierce Morian. <laughs> yeah, that guy. I, I I never totally understood the hatred for the guy, but that was kind of a dick move, I thought. So. Yeah, well, he's a huge... Trump supporters, though. Oh, is he? Mm -hmm. Oh, God. I I thought like, you know, he kind of got thrown out of America after Alex Jones came on his program and showed his ass on TV, basically. (laughs) I never understood that. I was like, wait, why are we on, why are we on that other guy's side? I mean, like this guy wanted to have a reasonable debate about guns in America and sure he's an outsider or whatever, but, you know, he has an opinion and he has a syndicated TV show or whatever the hell, so like, I, I don't know. I didn't see what the big, Thing was, but he was he was out on his ass very quickly after that. Well, I, you, you know, know
1: 1776 <laughs> will commence again. In case you haven't heard, yeah.
0: so yeah, when he tried to do the British accent too, he's like, oh, oh blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it was ridiculous.
14: It's an issue you know I care passionately about. So here is my position, loud and clear. I'm in favour of a nationwide ban on military-style semi-automatic assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. I want to close the gun show loopholes and require private dealers to run background checks on buyers at gun shows. And I'd like to see the president increase federal funding for mental health treatment for all Americans who need it. I think these are entirely reasonable reactions to the outrages that have occurred in America over the last few months. But tonight, I'll go head-to-head with a man who actually wants to deport me for having these very views. And over 104,000 Americans apparently agree with him. That's coming up.
5: Uh, Pierce, I can't say uh, how much I agree with your opinion and what you've stated previously. I appreciate you having your First Amendment right, and I am I am glad you're speaking out, because that's exactly what we need.
14: If anyone who's watched this show over the past few weeks knows I've taken a pretty strong stand on guns in America. It's on a the of notice of supporters of gun rights, and it's led to a petition on the White House official website, no less. It's entitled, and I quote, Deport British citizen Piers Morgan for attacking Second Amendment. Take a look. More than 104,000 people have signed it so far. And joining me now is one of the people behind the petition, Alex Jones. He's host of the Alex Jones Show. Welcome to you. Pierce, thanks for having me. Why do you want to deport me?
21: Well, we did it as a way to bring attention to the fact that we have all of these foreigners and the Russian government, the official Chinese government... Mao said political power goes out of the barrel of a gun. He killed about 80 million people because he's the only guy that had the guns. So we did it to point out that this is globalism and the mega banks that control the planet and brag that they've taken over in Bloomberg, AP, Reuters, you name it, brag that they're going to get our guns as well. They've taken everybody's guns, but the Swiss and the American people. And when they get our guns, they can have their world tyranny. While the government buys 1.6 billion bullets, armored vehicles, tanks, helicopters, predator drones, armed, now in U.S. skies, being used to arrest people in North Dakota. The Second Amendment isn't there for duck hunting. It's there to protect us from tyrannical government and street thugs. Take the women in India. Your piece earlier on CNN I was watching uh, during Anderson Cooper's show. Didn't tell you that the women of India have signed giant petitions to get firearms because the police can't and won't protect them. The answer is, hey, wait a minute. I have FBI crime statistics that come out a year late. 2011, 20-plus percent crime drop in the last nine years. Real violent crime because more guns means less crime. Britain took the guns 15, 16 years ago, tripling of your overall violent crime. True, we have a higher gun violence uh, level, but overall, mugging, stabbings, deaths, You, those men raped that woman in India to death with an iron rod four feet long. You can't ban the iron rods. The guns, the iron rods pierced, didn't do it. The tyrants did it. Hitler took the guns. Stalin took the guns. Mao took the guns. Fidel okay. Castro took the guns. Hugo Chavez took the guns. And I'm here to tell you. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. doesn't matter how many lemmings you get out there on the street begging for them to have their guns taken. We will not relinquish them. Do you understand? That's why you're going to fail, and the establishment knows, no matter how much propaganda, the republic will rise again when you attempt to take our guns. My family in the Texas Revolution against Santa Ana, my family was at the core on both sides starting that because Santa Ana came to take the guns at Gonzales, Texas. Pierce... Don't try what your ancestors did before. Why don't you come to America? I'll take you out shooting. You can become an American and join the Republic. You finished? Yes, I am finished. Hmm. You will not take my right. You go through background checks to get guns. How about Prozac? You know the number one. Oh, that's a big sponsor, isn't it? Or that whole class of drugs. Let me ask you a question. Oh, whoa, oh, got to cut that off, don't you? Don't want to talk about the U.S. Come number one cause of death okay. is suicide now because they give people suicide Calm mass down. murder pills. Calm down. Your answer is give more money to the psychiatrist versus psychologist let's, to put more crazy people on drugs that make
14: them kill people, Pierce. Let's try and have a debate here. Yeah. Answer me this question. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of the same old script here, bud. It's fine, Bud. How many gun murders were there in America last year? Do you know?
21: Uh, there were about eleven thousand four hundred and fifty-eight, and about seventy-four percent of those were gang-related, gangbangers shooting each other. You get three and a half to four okay,
14: thousand.
21: That, that how many people died from infections in hospitals? One hundred ninety-seven
14: thousand. Just, just ask second That's question. right. How many gun murders were there in Britain? How last many year? great white sharks? No, how many kill people murders? every year, but they're scared to swim? Right. How many gun murders were there in Britain? A last very year? low amount. I
21: already went over those how statistics. Many? Do you know? Uh, It was only a few hundred.
14: No, no. How many gun murders? I
21: actually actually did pull up the statistics. Here, let me pull them out right here. I figured you'd do that. Gun murders. Oh wait, UK violent crime, capital of Europe, London Telegraph. Here let me give you a quite simple question. Well, that's the oldest... You're very loud that's the old, No, no, that's the oldest Perry Mason noise. tactic to ask me some little factoid. So the
14: a little factoid. I already said earlier, We're talking about England a country. has a lot
21: lower let gun try, crime rate because you me, took all the guns. Let me try, exactly But my you've points. got hordes of people burning down cities and beating old women's brains out every day. What a ridiculous They arrest statement. people in England if they defend themselves. That's on record. My God, you've got a total police state. Everybody's fleeing that country because the oh, you've had to flee here, bud. Why don't you tell folks? Yeah, you fled here. Hmm. Why don't you go back and face the charges for the hacking
14: scandal? Answer this question. How
21: many. Why'd you get fired from the Daily Mirror for putting out fake stories? How? You're a hatchet man of the New World Order. You're a hatchet man. And I want to say this right here. You think you're a tough guy? Head me back with a boxing ring in here, and I'll wear red, white, and blue, and you can wear your Jolly Roger. Okay. You know what? Let's try again. (laughs) How many gun murders were there? Oh, you going to ban your fist now? In Britain last year. Uh, How many uh, chimpanzees can dance on the head of a pin? I already went over those statistics. Do you know the answer? Uh, No, I don't. You said
14: hundreds. It's very low. You said hundreds. Yes. It's actually 35. Well, the point is you can... Against 11... do you, Thousand. F- do you understand hey. the difference between 11,000 and Yeah, England and wants to ban
21: knives now because tens of thousands are getting right. stabbed. But do you understand you the, the difference? The knife doesn't a... kill people. Do you understand? The gun doesn't kill people. Yes.
2: Listen, do you understand? Do you the
21: understand difference between You're not going to pull on America's 11, heartstrings. 000. They know your script, mm. okay? You're not going to get our guns. By the way, you guys always say, we just want to take the semi-autos, okay, and all this other stuff. When semi-autos aren't even, uh, mm. rifles aren't even used but
14: in a fraction of the crimes, you can pull mm. those numbers up. Okay?
21: Uh, well, no, 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 hold
14: which, on. Let me ask you one question. Which weapon was predominantly used in the Aurora movie theater shooting? Uh, M4 AR-15 variant. So it was a semi-automatic yes, assault rifle. Yes, again. Okay. But next statistically, next, it's very, very next, low. That was. Do you agree it was the single biggest shooting in the history of America in terms of people hit by a shooter? Do, do you know that?
21: No, I believe that there were others. No, uh, there's no, been some other no, shootings with no, about a, over 30.
14: No, no. This was the single biggest mass shooting. Well, listen, you're just by, going... No, there have been bombings of Wall me, Street. Let me ask you a second Are question. Are we going to... Listen, why can't the let pilots me ask have you a firearms? Second question. Alex, we trust them to fly the planes. Alex, you've had a lot to say. No, just my point is impressive. the Second
21: Amendment is sacrosanct, do you know,
14: and you're not getting do you, it. Do you know which weapon was used in the Oregon shopping mall mass shooting recently? I understand that people... Uh, who are mentally ill, on
21: all the serotonin you know the, reuptake you know weapon, inhibitors, who play the these shoot em up games, want to go out and do this. Alex. Because there's criminals, I Alex. don't lose my rights, Pierce. Because there's criminals, Alex. I don't lose my rights. Just
14: answer the question. Yeah. Do you know what the weapon use was? Listen, let me ask you a question. No, no, answer. I've got
21: the FBI Alex. statistics that, listen, no, no. that okay. the so-called Let's semi-autos that you talk Let's about. Let's take a break. Let me come back. Again, you're not going to get our guns.
14: When we come back, try and answer
21: my question. Yeah, all you're okay. going to do is sit there and play little factoid questions. Overall crime has yeah, gone,
14: gone, gone up over 20%. percent gun- i now with Alex Jones, a man who says I should be deported for my stand on guns. So, Alex, here's how this is going to work, and it's entirely down to you. I'm going to ask you some questions. In the spirit of a proper debate, and you've had a lot to say so far on the show, and a lot of it aimed at me, which is fine. But I want you to try and answer the questions. It's a proper debate, okay? I'm not trying to trip you up. No, it's not a debate. You're running the okay. show.
21: You bring in your okay. victims up front. Actually, actually to, no. Look, you got your little note cards. Okay. Okay. I just gave you FBI statistics Fine. that violent crime Alex. and Alex. gun crime Alex. is down over 20%. Alex. let me just ask you and this. And you want to go to little factoids. No. They're not little. Anybody can toys. pull those up.
14: Listen. Do you know
21: what? Do we're... you have a bodyguard, Alex? Why do you have bodyguards? I don't have a bodyguard. Yeah, I've seen you on the news with them. Don't, don't you want to bodyguard. protect your wife from hoodlums, or you want to call the police? Let me ask you this question. Why does Diane Feinstein Alex, tell 60 Alex. Minutes that she okay, plans Alex. to try Alex. to take Mr. and Mrs. America's guns? Stop have you seen that over me. You let guys me... want to disarm all of America? No, I don't. Diane Feinstein's no, don't. bill does. I don't. Gun confiscation. No.
14: Let me clarify for you. You don't seem to understand. First, what you register,
21: then you confiscate. It's
14: always done the same. Here's what the campaign. Well, here, show. give me your little cue cards, no. and I'll answer your questions for what you. What was
21: the weapon used at Sandy Hook? I've already gone over that and already answered it for we you. We haven't talked about Sandy Hook. No. Uh, again, what I, was the weapon? it's a 223 m M4. Right. It's, again. But statistically, an, right. they're using very low percentage of, of right. shooting, but period. Are you, are you but seeing, you guys, are you people wouldn't go swimming because the movie Jaws, the even though great white Alex, sharks kill five people Alex, a year. Alex, You're trying to scare people. Let me say something. There's no metal shark in the water. The same type of
14: weapon was used in the last yeah, three right. mass shootings. and that's right. Hitler
21: used semi-autos to kill people.
14: Why would you and not? And so did Mao. Why would you? Why is the government Why arming to the you... teeth against us? Alex, I don't know. What have... about
21: Fast and Furious? Alex. Why do our government ship guns into down. Mexico? Alex. To blame the Second Amendment? Let's have a debate. A false flag? Alex. To blame the I Second accused, Amendment? I get accused. Why are they blow up Building Alex, 7 down the street here Alex, in New York?
14: I get accused when I get you guys on of talking over you of being rude. I'm trying to be civil, yeah. right? You've got to try and answer some of the questions, right? Here's my issue for you. Why do people need, civilians, need an AR-15 type Assault rifle. I okay, already
21: said statistically they're using no, a very low amount of the crimes. That's an FBI fact. They've been used in the last three mass shootings. Yes. Bec- why do them? I'll tell you why. Them? Because they advertise it in the media. Anybody knows that if somebody jumps off the Empire States building, they put cops up there the next day because copycats come to do it again. The media hypes and hypes and hypes. And that's the Don't question. just commit suicide. Ask why do people need Don't commit need them? suicide by killing a bunch of kids. And here's the gun to use because it's the one the U.S. Army uses. Why do people need them? They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Mm-hmm. Government in the 20th century university uh, study out of Hawaii killed 292 million people. It's called democide. Google it, folks. Do you believe everyone Demo- in America?
14: D- should everyone in America yes. therefore have, yes. an, have an AR-15 if they want one? Statistically, where there's more guns, there's lower crime. Mm-hmm. The highest crime is in Bloomberg, uh, you know, But you have the most controlled guns areas. of any of the 23 richest countries in the world, and you have 20, Well, 11, America was born gun on guns and year. whiskey.
21: Right. But It's you, true we're a violent society. Right. So you but statistically, has the most knives kill three the most times more. Have you seen the FBI numbers? Mm-hmm. Knives, bats, rocks guns. Kill, kill kill, many, many talk, times more. Alex, let's talk it's about not the guns. It's not the rock. It's not the right. knife. When a mother Alex, chops her kids up with a cleaver because she's on serotonin, tell
14: me why I'm wrong. Why about don't you the want to get AR rid of the drugs? Because they're half your sponsors. No, stick to the, to the subject. America's
21: number one cause of unnatural death now is suicide.
14: Okay, Alex, not not let's automobile try again.
21: accident, not cancer, not. You excuse
14: me of attacking the second amendment of the constitution.
21: I want to get people off pills that the insert says will make you commit suicide Alex, and kill people.
14: Alex. Let's get about to the second. I want to blame Alex, the real culprit. Alex. Suicide pills. Alex. Mass murder pills. Okay, let me ask you one question. Your belief, and I'm wrong... First time anybody's ever heard this, by the way. Your belief, and as I'm wrong, is that under the second amendment, your real concern is that you will be overrun by a tyrannical regime, either from somewhere else... Yeah, high checkpoints. Look at Mexico. Total gun ban for the citizens.
21: Highest crime rate in the world. 57,000 people dead the last five years. Total gun ban for the citizens. But you, your Switzerland main... has the lowest crime rate Alex, in Europe. Alex, your country Alex, has the highest. Alex,
14: we have 35 gun murders a year. You have, 11, you, have you people get Alex, their brains.
21: It's the higher crime Alex, rate. Let me ask you. Violent people. crime is higher on this specific. It's brains, Alex, It's people. I'm trying to get inside your
14: brains. Pierce, it's if not you punch me easy. right now, it'd be not your fist, Alex, but your brain that Alex, it. let me get inside your brain. Okay, okay, I'm serious. You have a very, very big platform. You air, I think, on 63 networks. No, no. That Wikipedia is like 10 years old. I'm on over 140 okay. stations. XM. Millions of Americans hear you. Over a million and a half day. visitors to Infowars.com right. today. Congratulations. We you have the statistics posted right okay. now. Okay. Infowars.com. Who do you believe was behind 9 11?
21: Oh, I absolutely know. I have the police on CNN saying, get back, they're going to blow up seven. I have BBC reporting. No, who do you believe was behind je- us? I have the proof. I heard them on CBS who? Radio. Hello, Alex. They announced they blew up the towers on CBS radio. You New Yorkers all saw it and heard
14: it. Alex, who do you they believe... They blew up Building 7. Alex, who do you believe was behind it? The American government.
21: Criminal elements of the military industrial complex, the same ones that staged Gulf of Tonkin, hmm. the same ones that staged Operation... Right. The mass shootings of Operation right. Gladio. Right. Ooh, do you, the CIA do you don't, mean, don't like Alex, this right Alex, now.
14: do you mean that President Bush and his administration were behind 9-11? <sighs>
21: I mean that even mainstream news reported that the hijackers were ordered to be allowed into the United States. Michael Springman, the head of the ViSA Department,
14: blew the whistle right. on that. So the Bush administration was part of a conspiracy. Well to murder, he should never let us tolerate to murder to
21: murder I Amer- I can speak in this accent as well yeah. the but is that government, what you believe? Hitler firebombed his own Reichstag piece to bring in martial law in Germany, April 27th 1933. Governments have staged terror attacks throughout history or allowed terrorists to attack mm-hmm. as a pretext to invade How many and enslave How many the many populations. I, prob- I probably own more than 50 firearms. Many of them have increased in value two, three, or even four times. I sleep very comfortably uh, outside Austin, okay. Texas, knowing Alex. that I can defend my family.
14: Okay, Alex Jones, this is Info the man... Infowars.com. This is the man who wants to deport me from the country for wanting to get no, rid no. of it's, assault No, no, it's, it's to point out you're a foreigner, a redcoat, outrageous. here
21: telling us what to do. Whatever. Go back to where they took the guns if you don't like it. The communists... It's
0: like in. An- <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm very disappointed in Richard Linklater. <laughs> I think that's the director's name. Were like, you can't fight city hall. Death and taxes. Don't talk about
22: politics or religion. This is all the equivalent. of enemy propaganda rolling across the picket line. Lay down, G.I., lay down, G.I. We saw it all through the 20th century. And now in the 21st century, it's time to stand up and realize that we should not allow ourselves to be crammed into this rat maze. We should not submit to dehumanization. I don't know about you, but I'm concerned with what's happening in this world. I'm concerned with the structure. I'm concerned with the systems of control, those that control my life and those that seek to control it even more. I want freedom. That's what I want, and that's what you should want. It's up to each and every one of us to turn loose of just some of the greed, the hatred, the envy, and yes, the insecurities, because that is the central mode of control. Make us feel pathetic, small. So we'll willingly give up our sovereignty, our liberty, our destiny. We have got to realize that we're being conditioned on a mass scale. Start challenging this corporate slave state. The 21st century is going to be a new century, not the century of slavery, not the century of lies and issues with no significance and classism and statism and all the rest of the modes of control. It's going to be the age of humankind standing up for something pure and something right. What a bunch of garbage, liberal, Democrat, conservative, Republican. It's all there to control you, two sides of the same coin. Two management teams bidding for control, the CEO job of Slavery Incorporated. The truth is out there in front of you, but they lay out this buffet of lies. I'm sick of it, and I'm not going to take a bite out of it. Do you got me? resistance is not futile. We're going to win this thing. Humankind is too good. We're not a bunch of underachievers. We're going to stand up and we're going to be human beings. We're going to get fired up about the real things, the things that matter, creativity and the dynamic human spirit that refuses to submit. Well, that's it. That's all I got to say. It's in your court.
0: He makes these movies that are very innovative and creative and artistic, but he comes from that... That like that Dallas, Texas milieu, or whatever, and like
1: uh, I think I think Austin, that. Austin, Texas, Austin, Texas, whatever,
0: <laughs> and um it's it's a big state, right? I can't remember every place. <laughs>
3: but, um
22: where did substance D come from? Why can't we stop it? The bigger this war gets, the more freedoms we lose, the more substance D is on our streets. Can't you figure this out? Look around you! Look how far we've come! Humanity wasn't meant to live like this! Our every waking moment, Trapped and traced and scanned! It's time to stop submitting to this tyranny. It's time to realize that we're being enslaved. Uh-oh, it's our tax dollars at work, protect us from ourselves. Hey guys, I used to be one of you. Stop selling out your own species!
0: let's see I I think I had a student one time I think I had a girl in class one time or something and oh boy I don't know where she would say (laughs) I I like to make jokes in class or whatever I make stupid jokes and so she had like been I was in America one time I was like I was like oh okay where were you she was like I was well I was down in Texas and I was like oh is everything bigger in Texas so I don't know. There was something about she had a boyfriend there or something, and it, it worked. And it <laughs> joke, but...
1: <laughs> See, this is the type of yeah. thing. If it was like typed
0: out in a deposition, wouldn't sound no, no, great. No, like, but <laughs> these, these are these are all the classes. clauses. Uh, people appreciate my my uh, I think <laughs>
1: some of my best friends are.
0: <laughs> Doing time in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of what other like, what other kind of back and forths I've had with people recently in the classroom that have been entertaining. Because um, people every day people say something. Like usually at the six thirty class, we're all really sleepy until like I tell a stupid joke. I think somebody somebody was telling me one time, like, they said, I had two rooms in my house. I said, like, is that a metaphor? I said, huh? I said, never mind. (laughs) It was, like, really weird how they were emphasizing that they had two rooms in their house. I thought it was, like, a sex joke or something. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Okay, like okay, the other day this woman was saying, um, one of my one of friends is going to the pole dancing academy. I said, "Does this phone ha- does this friend have a phone number?" Laugh a little bit, and she said, "She's unmarried now. When she gets married, she wants to pole dance at the ceremony." And I said, "Whoa!" I, I said, her-, "Her her new stepmother is going to be saying cancel cancel the wedding now." <laughs> like young women go to these like pole dancing academies. Like there- there's no strip clubs in Korea to my knowledge. If there are, somebody get at me. But. I'm <laughs> so, <laughs> but but like some women some young women and middle-aged women seem to think that like going to pole dancing academy is just like kind of like pilates or something it's just like this exercise you can do <laughs> but obviously in america there's this whole other connotation to it so yeah so she wants to she wants to pole dance at her wedding uh, you know more power to her i say but <laughs> i don't know
1: Oh, that's okay, child. When you're back in America, we'll go up to Kokomo and you can go to
0: the hip hugger <laughs> <laughs> is that is that I'm sure that's a fine establishment oh it's it's sure apparently very idea. well
1: known throughout the state.
0: Oh really? Mhm I heard like i think i I think I saw some news local news from Bloomington Indiana, that like night moves was clo- closing down or something right yeah, it's, it's like a,
1: it it's it's a whole new another place now mhm hmm.
0: what was the what was the justification of that
1: um okay, so uh, night moves was the one right off of walnut right or college or whatever like
0: south, yes, yeah, what was that one was that we went to down. that
1: was kind of set back from the street a little bit near that area, yeah.
0: Yeah, on the left side of the street, right? Kind of like the west side of yeah. the street, right? Yeah, that yeah, that, that one that
1: no, was night. No, it was. I know which one Night Moves is. That was the one uh, someone we know that won't be named worked at. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I thought that was the. I
0: thought that was that place. Was, was it that other place? place that yeah. That
1: was, oh, hold on, that was that other place, wasn't it? Okay. Well, the other place, not Night Moves, burned down. Yeah. And Ash and I just happened to be in Bloomington the night it happened. Not that we didn't have anything to do with it,
0: but... Police are... (laughs) uh, We were happy. We just happened (laughs) to drive by. I got a lead on the night move fire. Uh, we thought it was a cold case, fresh, fresh. We're turning <laughs> over new leads. New suspect. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> Has the statute of limitations run out on that one?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, why would why that place burn down? Like, too much sin for Southern Indiana? Did it get too hot in there? Somebody, candy was tearing up the pole <laughs> <laughs> what, what the hell was going on try to pedal your sin yeah, now yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm going to admit that I've been in strip clubs like probably twice in my life I think mm-hmm. um and I'm trying to remember the con- the context was one time we were invited by a fellow friend in college, a friend mm-hmm. of a friend who was a mm-hmm. roommate of a friend who was perhaps doing some research for certain um Academic she was Yeah. There there was there was a there was a justification for it and I believe that. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a cliche sometimes. I was just trying to make money or whatever. I, I think there was actually some like there was an academic purpose to all the uh
1: did you allegedly read the product of that, or was was it all was it
3: all a dream?
0: <laughs> I don't understand. No, I I never read it, but I you know I'm I, I believe it exists.
3: I
8: have to believe.
0: <laughs> what if it was all just a lie?
8: <laughs> that
1: I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist about it or anything, but...
0: Yeah, the Trilateral Commission. Oh, God, the, that, uh, Bil- the, the Bilderbergs had something to do with it. Mm, the Bilderberg booty shaking. <laughs> yeah. I need to drink me some super male vitality. Head back up in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, so yeah, so that was one, okay. That was one instance we were invited for and, you know, to see a friend of a friend mm-hmm. perform. And I think the other time was a certain college friend's birthday, I believe that's mm-hmm. um, an individual that you and your wife may not be on speaking terms with anymore. <laughs> yes. You know, I remember. I remember. Yeah. But anyways, I think, I think on his 21st birthday, And he, I'll say this, he had a much better 21st birthday than I did, because I remember you and I think you and Ben Smith were living out there down on the south, south, kind of southwest side of Bloomington there when this happened, when I turned 21, and we came over there to your house that night, and I was all pumped, you know, because it was like my 21st birthday, and we're going to go out, and we're going to go down to Walnut and Kirkwood and whatever, we're going to do it big... And then, like, I mean, I think your roommate was not. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to drive us. He didn't want to go that night. So we didn't. We ended up drinking at the house, which was, to be real, in in college, that was nothing new for me. Even before once, so so it was kind of a letdown. We went out the next night, I think. But a certain other individual who we were roommates with at one point, we took him to a strip club on his twenty first birthday. I think I remember. But I think he was like totally disgusted by the transactionality of it. All. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't like the, you know, the, you know, the fantasy with the money mixing. and, everything. and I, I can understand that. I mean, it's not, it's not necessary. I don't think it's really my cup of tea either. So, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what I remember about that night.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. it is five o'clock in the morning over here.
0: Oh boy. I get, well, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think like, um, it sounds like your babies are sleeping tonight and that's good, right? Yeah. I, I listened to your podcast the other day about the, the birth of, uh, of your daughter and, uh, it sounds like she's been really wearing out your son, right? Heartless oh yeah. Out mm-hmm. these days.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: Yeah. He's very interested in her. Um, yeah, he, he's not the only one
0: anymore. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I I understand the thing. Like, I think I was like a little jealous of my younger uh, Ben when he was born or whatever. I think like, I think I understand that Mm. older sibling, like kind of like, Hey, what the hell? I'm not the center of attention anymore. Mm -hmm. I I think I can understand that. So, but But he, but he, he, I mean,
2: yeah, he
1: likes her though. I mean, he's not like, he's not mad at her, but like, he's, he's definitely like jarred.
0: So, yeah, yeah, that's, well, I, maybe it'll be different because it's a sister rather than a brother. I think right. That's, yeah. I guess that's that's a good brother, point. I think the same sex is something you, you kind of have this natural competence, competitiveness, but maybe like brothers and sisters, you know, I don't know, he'll do the protective older brother thing or something like that, or he'll find ways to take responsibility there was some okay, have you have you seen there's a new movie you may want to take the kid to see or make take him to see it. I don't know or maybe get it on DVD or something. It's um, Baby Boss or Boss Baby or something. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched like I was I was I was at the high school the other day and like we couldn't teach a class that day because the other classes were not coming and so one class was there or something. So we ended up watching a movie and one of the girls had Boss Baby on her USB or something. So we played that. And it was all about like this kid who finds out that his parents have an another baby who's coming along and the baby, like how the bo- the new baby is like kind of like the boss. And I'm just thinking like, this might be, I don't know how much like narrative Harper can absorb at this point. If it, uh, it's a, it's a kid's movie. It's an animated kind of like Pixar looking almost, I don't know who made it, but it's definitely about this topic about like an older brother dealing with a new sibling. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the subject matter. So that might be a good movie for him perhaps.
1: Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. All right, well, um, was there anything else we didn't cover? I think
0: we we covered a lot. (laughs) We did cover a lot. I I realized, like, I think we were laser-focused at the beginning, and we had a lot to get to, and then at the end, we kind of, like, we went around to a lot of different things, which is, I think that's okay, although I feel guilty. I realize you have to put in a lot of work in, like, post-production or whatever every Mm -hmm. time we do this, and every time I go off on a rant or tell a lurid story or say the wrong word or something, you probably adds another 45 minutes the editing time. But, but thank you yeah no problem
1: well i've I've got a dossier on, on cha if anyone ever needs it, yeah <laughs> of, my, of all the incriminating future, uh, things,
0: yeah, my future presidential run is uh, in shambles, although after trump who
1: knows. yeah who knows, yeah, maybe a requirement maybe'll
0: I'll put this on my resume probably at that point, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then I went on Bob Burgess's show, and I said some shit that the social justice warriors just weren't ready to hear okay? <laughs> That's how you know I'm real <laughs> yeah, real talk <laughs> I'm too real. Yeah. anyways well Bob I'll let you get to sleep there but yeah thanks for doing the episode and uh, I hope that we you know hopefully it's timely hopefully people appreciate it hopefully people are also I hope everybody in America and around the world is thinking about some of the issues that we talked about mm-hmm. um, Bobby Brown especially the strip clubs <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to some uh, T-Pain the other day. Uh-huh. Like, I'm in love with a stripper, mm-hmm. and then he had like the bartender. I love the bartender. I mean, like this, guy, he just loved women in the service industry. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: need to listen to his uh, Tiny Desk concert. He does acapella.
0: Oh really? Yeah, he goes I think, hard. I think T-Pain is T-Pain. Like everybody bitched and moaned about the, the auto tune, but I mean, he was doing. He had. I mean, what he was doing had a little soul to it. I, he. Did some good music,
1: oh, he's he's just fine without the without it. So I mean, that, I mean, yes, it's an enhancement, but it's not because he's like lacking. It's just you know, it's it's an extra
2: little thing, you know.
0: Yeah, it's kind of his his style or his thing, but yeah, like sprung. I'm sprung. I mean, that was that was legitimately a good song. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think it goes. I'm sprung was top. Bartender was second, and maybe I'm in love with the stripper was like maybe a distant third. I I didn't think that one had as much musicality to it, but. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. Well anyways, Bob, I I'm, I'm uh, very appreciative of your time here. I'm gonna let you get some sleep. <laughs> but yeah, thanks again for calling. I know we still gotta do the Bill O'Reilly, the uh Those Who Trespass episode, so people need to be watching for that to drop in sometime in the future here.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: And, uh yeah. Yeah.
1: It just uh, gives gives them more time yeah. to absorb the uh misdeeds of Shannon Michaels. <laughs>
0: Oh yes and then the finally has it's come up and uh-huh. know, the final bifurcating of the uh, the Bill O'Reilly psyche that was split between these two opposite we're gonna get all this we're gonna get to all the psychoanalyzing analyzing you, you just you, the audience our, our dear listeners just need to catch up on their reading okay so take this extra time that we're giving you consciously And do the reading, (laughs) right? Like I tell my students, Mm -hmm. do your homework. Absolutely, it'll make more sense then. Absolutely,
1: Ashley Van Van Buren wouldn't have it any other way.
0: Oh yeah, that was a girl who always did her homework. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Well, Bob, have a good night there, and we'll talk to you soon.
2: Okay. All right. Later on. (laughs) Bye bye.
1: If you enjoy this podcast there are several ways to support it i have a patreon account which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash rob burgess show patreon i hope you'll consider supporting in any amount also please make sure to comment follow like subscribe share rate and review the podcast everywhere it's available which includes itunes youtube soundcloud stitcher google play music facebook twitter internet archive TuneIn, and rss it really helps The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.